if you ask me, right, I think this industry has a very bad rep. The seminar and the, the course industry, I'm sure you guys know it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mainly because, uh, if you ask me, it's one, it's, it's two things, right? It's the way that the courses are being marketed. Mm. It's because of direct response. Like, but here's what people will say, but direct response is just a medium for you to market. But yes, the way people use direct response and it's just, it just works, right? But then because of the way it's being sold, like, uh, discover the, the sexy way or the way you can uh, get a sexy body without having to diet or mm. like by eating fried chicken every day. So they like to give an outcome and remove like an objection or, or remove the hard work. So it makes it look very easy and that's what hooks people in. And number two, it's also, this is just I think like a law of life and large numbers. Every cause that people have, no matter how good it is, there will always be only a small percentage that truly go out to succeed. Yep. Yeah. And because of that, I, I guess people feel that disappointment uh, in the results and they feel the disappointment in the way that it's being sold. Yeah, right. which is why I think today the way of authentic selling is uh, is getting more in trend. Where people tell you, hey, you know what? This is not for you. If ta 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 ta, then like, then it becomes a bit more real. And I guess that way is picking up trend now. Um, but if you ask me, it's also there's a bit of reverse psychology built into that, right? <laughs> um, so that's why I think this sem- this seminar call space has a bad rep because of uh, those few things. So, yeah. I see. I see. Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six-Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www.com firl.co slash f-r-e-e or www.firo.co slash free so guys welcome back to the firo podcast best place for long-term stock investors today we have yet another singaporean a uh, very talented one one who is uh, predominantly from the marketing background but he recently uh, took Twitter by storm in the past few months, gained a really good amount of followers because of his financial freedom journey. Essentially, uh, maybe he can correct me after this, but uh, you know, removing some of the chains of the nine to five life. Unshackling. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that man is Mr. Max Cole, who is also a very talented investor, certainly, uh, a lot of his tweets, uh, which you can follow him on Twitter, are excellent. Welcome to the podcast, Max. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. And yeah, that was a very flattering introduction. Yeah. No, <laughs> I just much. actually I just yeah. read off your tweets. So that's not yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, and also your LinkedIn that. profile. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, before I go into marketing, one of the things sure. that struck me was the fact that you are from a marketing background, which usually yeah. you don't associate with investing. But before we go there, I just want to start with the beginning, right? Um, as a young Singaporean, right, what was your initial feelings and when you got into contact with money, when you heard about money the first time, what was it like in when you were 10, you know? Got it. 
Um, so I would say for me, I, I mean, I, I wish I had like a sexy, like kind of Warren Buffett kind of story. And a yeah. few of your investors on this podcast before that I've watched, like, okay, I always wanted to be an investor since a young kid, uh, manage money. I, I don't have any of those dreams uh, when I was a young kid. Uh, I come from a very middle income family, so I don't have any of that or low income. Right. I survive on bread. Kind of, so I had no problems with money when I was young. I didn't have to, let's just put it this way. I, don't, I didn't ever had to go hungry on any day in my life before. So I think that's where it's fortunate. So I can't really give any of that like wrecks to riches, eat kongguan biscuit and <laughs> um, transform my life, none of that. So very typical uh, middle income. So when you ask at the age of 10, how did I treat money? Uh, like any other average kid. So I wasn't very well to do, but I wasn't very poor. So it's just a means to buy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't exactly something that I was just... Uh, oh, I needed. I wanted to make money desperately to like whatever get off the rat race. None of that. It was just a way to just pass uh, everyday expenses in life. And and so the interesting thing is that um, it's only after I went into um, secondary school and after like I got exposed to the world of like self help. Uh, started mm. reading books like Tony Robbins and in Singapore there's this well known uh, peak performance coach his name's called Adam Koo I'm not oh, sure oh, yeah, yeah, oh you've definitely. heard of okay yeah. great so uh, it was only through that that inspired me to want to get rich because uh, back then I don't know whether you're still using the same hook or the same uh, story but back then of course uh, when I was like sec 3 uh, that was about 2015 so I'm, I'm 31 this year so came across this like documentary of uh, like it was a Channel News Asia documentary uh, featuring Adam Koo speaking on stage. That was the first time I'm like, I think he uses this angle where he, he turned into a millionaire by 26. And, and then there was the first time I saw, okay, you can actually become a millionaire by speaking on stage and making people laugh. At least that's how the documentary portrayed uh, okay. him. So, so that's a pretty cool job. And I want to I wanna do something like this. And, and then just so somehow the odds of wanting to actually get rich and wanting to achieve certain levels of financial success, what have you, kind of uh, success in life that... that normal way we define success uh, then that planted the idea and that's how um, yeah that's how I, I dived into the whole world of like marketing um, like internet marketing and then of course eventually became a speaker and then eventually got into investing yep. so usually when there is uh, someone within the family who wants to do something a little bit different which is what I'm hearing from you um, yeah. was there any resistance or how do your parents respond to suddenly your desire for self-help and, uh, you know, embodying that Tony <laughs> Robbins spirit, things like that. Uh, um, okay, so, yeah, I, I think I've, I've never ever shared this with any friends before. I was that obsessed with wanting to be a speaker that I went to find um, photos of Tony Robbins and Adam Koo, wow. printed out, <laughs> paste in front of my wall and like, okay that's, that's my dream I'm going to be a speaker so yeah I think some, some funny backstory they were actually very supportive uh, some background I'm actually the only child oh so, right, yeah. right, so okay, no right, siblings okay. no, no sisters no brothers so none of that so yeah that's why I think I have a very fortunate upbringing where I really had everything to myself never had to go out a day hungry everything all attention on love but my grandparents my parents all showered on me uh, and so they were actually very accepting the reason why is because uh, I was a very um, I was a very bad student in school. Mm. So um, since young, uh, maybe you can relate, um, addicted to video games. There's this game back in my time, which is in the, in the 2000s, uh, Maple Story. <laughs> so oh. uh, I yes, played a lot yes. of that. I, I think a number of lies I told my mom in terms of number of uh, calculators I've lost and number of textbooks I need to buy <laughs> just to go and buy the game credits. You know, like back then, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. one Moli, card was like... Moly points or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, one, one right. uh, prepaid card was like, 
$10 and then that will give you a few things that you can buy online credits for whatever. So uh, I was super addicted to video games. So it was only when I, and, and then they tried all, all sorts of means to, to try and change me. Yeah. I see, I see. So they and sent me for tuition. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 nothing. Sorry, audio issues. Yes, go oh, ahead. Okay. Yeah, so they sent me for tuition and Richmond. Interestingly enough, they even sent me for the motivational camp uh, by like Adam Coombs himself. So I went there on a second. I see. You know, there's like in Singapore, they have these kinds of uh, motivational camps. I believe in Malaysia, there's also similar things like, like I think they have this thing called Super super Camp or something like this. Uh, yeah. Super so Champs, I think. Ah, super Champs. Yeah. 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 So Singapore, we have our own version by Adam Crew. So send me and then like got inspired, motivated for like a few days and then it just died off. So that <laughs> didn't really change. So they were like, wits end. Like then uh, in Singapore, we, you know, the, the old levels is like the one that will make or break your your life, even though now looking right. back, you, re- you realize actually, you know, not really, um, that you can still excel if you don't do well in school academically. But back then, every parent, every kid was stressed out uh, like that. So because of that. And so uh, they tried all means and ends. So funny enough, it was actually my, I think one, it was one day my dad was just watching Channel News Asia. And then he just, the, 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 the half an hour documentary on Adam Koo just came on. And I just happened to be there having a break from my video games, just started to watch it. And that was really like the turning point. Where I, I don't know why. Uh, it's like some, 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 every fiber in my body was just like firing away. Like, wow, actually, I want to do that. that that's so cool. That, <laughs> that is so cool. And, and so that was when I started asking myself, okay, Max, if you want to be a speaker in real life, uh, what are you going to speak on? Like, who's going to want to listen to someone mm. with poor grades in school speak? You're going to have no credibility whatsoever. So it's because of that that I started, like, pasting all the, the vision board. And my vision board was just all photos of inspirational speakers. Wow. Um, and then, um, one, so that's how I started studying hard because uh, of the dream to want to be a speaker. And I felt nobody want to listen to, a, to, like, a dropout speak because my grades were really quite bad. Mm. Now looking back, maybe I shouldn't have studied because the, sex, the story would have been sexier. But as a young kid, very innocent. So I started studying hard. And I think my parents were quite stunned like, overnight. They're like, what? Like, like, they don't know probably what got into me. <laughs> what was the all, light bulb, yeah, <laughs> light yeah, bulb they moment, right? Didn't really know it. Uh, maybe they were a bit weird out. Like, like my 16-year-old son is uh, looking at um, other 30-year-old men photos <laughs> on his, in his bedroom. <laughs> you know, most people will put like, you know, bikini models, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mine is all motivational speakers. And, and so then uh, there's a lot of motivational quotes, which uh, is cheesy now looking back, but it's all, all the stuff like, you know, if you if you shoot for the stars, if you don't reach it, at least you oh, land or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These yeah, yeah, kinds yeah, of yeah. funny stuff, which is very... Yeah, um, but you know, back then it made sense, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very trite. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but that was, that was me. And so I started studying and then um, because of that, somehow or another always I've always been labeled as like a lazy kid who had potential but just lazy and then just nice after I studied I just decided okay Max let's see how it goes dedicated like just one afternoon to study for a geography test first time in my life and this was really the turning point which um, I don't think that my geography teacher ever remember this but uh, it's a big one for me and that is um, I actually got 18 out of 25 for the geography test okay, after deciding to study hard uh, for once. And I'm like, okay, Max, actually you can study. <laughs> and so, <laughs> like, I mean, you kind of broke the, what we call the limiting belief, right? Mm, the, mm, the shackles mm. or whatever. Then so I started believing that I could study. And so thankfully that timing was still okay. It was like maybe six months before the O-levels. Wow. Then I started like, okay, shit, if I need to excel, I can't just study. I need to learn how to study. Mm. So I started like um, geeking out. Uh, so this was weird, right? I started geeking out like books by 
uh, like accelerated learning expert. So this guy known as like Tony Buzan is like a oh yeah yeah that, mind mapping yeah bingo yeah, yeah. he was mind mapping how to memorize stuff and I started like doing all that and funny enough overnight like my parents tried everything they tried to confiscate the the computer wires everything I always Whoa. find it. <laughs> Uh, just that video itself, that, that documentary of uh, Adam Crew speaking and really sparking my, my, my me to want to inspire people from stage. I guess I guess because it felt like well, you could get attention, you could really change someone's life. That felt really cool. Um, I deleted like Maple Story overnight. Wow. When when cold turkey, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was a happy cold turkey because yeah. I had. I guess it was the first time in my life that I had something to shoot for. Maybe mm. that's why. And so then I started studying. Then, of course, graduated from O-Levels with a decent score. Went on to this, uh, in Singapore, we call it junior college. So in Singapore, JC, you have yeah. two routes. Yeah, the JC route, the poly route. Poly is three years, uh, JC is two years. And then went to JC. And then uh, from JC, I graduated with uh, like straight A's. Okay. And, and so that was the point where I realized, I realized, okay, Max, I can study. And then so I cleared that study hurdle. And then afterwards, went into army. And then that's when I started, okay, Max, I, I thought to myself, okay, I've cleared the study hurdle. Now's when I learn how to make money because I need something to give me an, uh, a credibility to speak on stage, mm. if that makes sense. Mm, mm, mm. So yeah, then I started internet marketing. So that was an army, yeah. I see. So, so how do you get into the internet marketing and why? Like what excited you about it? Is it, is it also because <laughs> of uh, Adam, because he's into marketing yeah. himself on the internet as well, yeah. right? Yeah, back then, so these days he's more into stocks investing, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of um, uh, his trading videos and all options. that. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So but back then he was more into like, uh, there, there was also internet marketing and basically he's, he's well known as the guy who got financially free at 20, 26, lah, who Correct. across his first million at 26. So uh, he had several different programs and books on uh, internet marketing. So I bought one of his books. Uh, that was co-authored with another another author on internet marketing. And, and so the reason I got into that was because, yeah, I told myself, okay, Max, uh, in, in army, which, yeah, I think in Malaysia, it's, it's not compulsory, right? For you guys to serve No, no, uh, it used to if be... If you are picked, right? No, no, uh, it used to be a certain select group. Yeah, yeah, if you are picked, then you have to go. <laughs> Correct. But, but even I'm, then, we can bypass one. Uh. That's, yeah, a, yeah, that's yeah, a jalan, you know? That's a, a way out. <laughs> yeah, you can't, it's not Singapore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Okay, so anyway, I was inside, right? And then I asked myself, okay, it's going to be two years. And... Yeah, I mean, in, in Singapore, you have the very patriotic, very enthusiastic uh, guys that serve army. I wish I could say I was like that, but I wasn't. Uh. So in my mind, I was like, like crap, man, it's going to be two years. And back then in the Singapore army, like these days, to give you guys some information, like you can actually bring your smartphones in today. Oh, they allow it? Okay, yeah, okay. These days, they allow. I think because of as, as the world opens up and then they, they find ways to kind of at least to protect their the privacy or the stuff they need to protect. So you can bring your smartphones in, but you have to declare some stuff beforehand. Okay. Uh, back then you couldn't. So back then um, everyone had to, uh, and back then the smartphones were not yet, not very prevalent yet. So everyone was bringing like your Nokia phone. And then to pass time, uh, you guys, uh, especially MJ Sims, quite young as well. You, like there was this thing known as the PlayStation Portable. Ah, uh, PSP. Uh, okay. Yeah, PSP. Every guy would buy one to bring their army. Oh, wow. can oh, yeah, you can, you can, because there's no camera. And so that was the way to pass time when you're in the bunk, when the mission is over, you just play all sorts of like Monster Hunter or whatever, GTA games on, 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 on PSP. And then I thought to myself, okay, so I also bought one in for the first like one, two months, just keep playing. And I realized, that means it's going to be two years. I'm just going to spend my life playing all these two years <laughs> playing PSP. And that's why I asked myself, maybe let's try and make some money at the side. Lah. So that's how I went down the rabbit hole of, uh, started with Adam Cool's book. Okay. Then afterward. I think you know the internet is a beautiful place. So open yeah. up my whole world to 
uh, my whole worldview to internet marketing. Uh, specifically, back then, affiliate marketing was really big. Mm. So yeah, I think you guys covered this in one of your podcasts before. Um, yeah. So yeah, affiliate marketing started to sell things online and then you earn a commission, which is a perfect way to start because you have nothing to, you, you can't create a course back then because I had no credibility whatsoever, uh, no skills. So started doing affiliate marketing, made some money at the site uh, while doing affiliate marketing and having my army as the full-time income. Mm-hmm. And then after, I think I crossed my first, after like, and this didn't happen overnight. So it wasn't like uh, some overnight success, but after like I think nine or 10 months of like learning, reading everything about SEO, uh, back then selling on eBay was super hot, uh, blogging, WordPress, all sorts of stuff, uh, lost right. a lot of money there. Um, and I think, I think a lot of credit also goes to my, my parents and my mom uh, had a lot of faith in me uh, really gave me some money to kind of start buying courses online and oh. um, once you buy your first few courses online it never stops you want to keep buying more courses because you need more information right yeah 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 because not every course will work right so then I, I spent all my savings everything online and after six months, I managed to make my first like $1,000 in a month. Nice. In a month, which honestly, you look back, it's actually not very spectacular. But back then, it was like, like uh, holy, I can't swear. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, is, this, this, this works. works. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like a pipe dream where this, this guru in a Ferrari online says you can do it, but actually, it, it's not true. So it, it works. And so then from there, I decided to uh, go and uh, package what I, I, I achieved and learned into a, into a video course, like mm-hmm. a five-part video course, okay. and then sell it online. And that's how I learned the other skill sets needed. Because to do affiliate marketing is very easy. You just need to know how to drive traffic. Yep. And then uh, have the affiliate link and then you sell it and you make a commission. Done. Uh, there was this website called ClickBank back then, which is a well-known affiliate marketplace. Okay. Uh, but to sell your own course, you have to not only make the product, you have to know how to write a copy, how to design the landing page, whatever, build the funnel. So that was what I started doing in the second year of Army. So I was about mm. 20, 19, 20 years old. And so that gave me the skill sets. Now looking back, it was really a very lucky thing. Uh, mm. But it gave me the skill set to learn how to write copy, which is uh, copywriting. Like you write words on a landing page to try and sell and persuade. And then from there, uh, it was when I found my love for copywriting. So mm, I started nice. selling a few video courses, made a few, few bucks here and there. But then I realized that, wow, actually, I just have this love for like, marketing communications, mainly persuasion. So mm. I went down the entire rabbit hole, um, studied a lot of great copywriters. Um, so there's this, uh, mainly all the Americans especially. So uh, a few copywriters, very well known back then, um, but some of them are dead already, like Gary Halbert, a lot yes. of these uh, copy gurus, the direct mail guys who back then they just um, sell using the newspaper ads, whatever. So I spent a lot of time uh, learning from them. I write out their ads by hand to kind of internalize the, the thought process. And yeah, I, I was obsessed about it day and night thinking, how do you sell more stuff online? <laughs> so I became a freelance copywriter because I found, hey, actually that's a very useful skill. And then I, uh, back then the top copywriters uh, in a typical copy that they write, uh, they can be making like 30, 40 grand kind. But that's, that's the, right. like world-class one where 30, 40 grand as a retainer, plus you get a, a cut of the, the person's digital product sales. Yeah. Uh, but of course, these guys were all like 10-year, 20-year veterans in the industry. So, But that gave me like a kind of like idolized uh, version of what I wanted to be. So I started writing copy, started like uh, pimping out my service, started off with Fiverr for just $5. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And it was a very poor thing. Right? So I'm maybe like, maybe to give you guys, like working on Fiverr, like, I have so much respect for people on Fiverr and that's why I really try and treat them nicely. Back then I was working on Fiverr to get my initial chops. Like, because back then Fiverr only had like the $5 gigs. I know these days because they are expanding, they have all the larger gigs, $5. Um, 
Fiverr takes $1. So by the time the money comes in, you have $4. You mm. transfer it to PayPal, they will take another slight commission out, uh, a transaction wow. fee. Yeah. So you're left with $3 plus out of the real $5 that you earn. So but started building the chops there, then started getting clients. And then I kind of crossed uh, my first ever client that paid me like $2,000 to write nice. a copy uh, in the dating niche. <laughs> so, oh. so yeah. Right, do you I have think, a niche that you specialize in right now? No, or I, anything? I, la, anything I, I, I didn't. I didn't. Because back then you were new. Ma, so you just write everything. Yeah, Basically, right, anything right. that comes, you just pick it up, right? Uh, for money. And so, but I realized that now looking back, same thing, it was a blessing. Because that taught me how to write to sell in almost any niche. Yeah. So, so I, mean, I wouldn't say I, I, I can write in every niche because different niches, there's different character personas and tone you must use. But it gave me a very basic uh, building blocks and wheels that I could know what how to structure a headline in most niches whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. how do you prepare normally? Let's say if you're given a mm. niche that you've never heard of or whatsoever, or you mm. never touched in, how mm. long do you take to prepare to immerse yourself before you start copywriting? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, back then, I would actually read like other copies in those natures. Okay. So you, because like the internet is full of this. And okay, I, I think let me just uh, share a bit more. So I was, I didn't take every niche that came to me. I mm. took the natures that could use direct response. So direct yeah. response is a field where, I'm sure you guys have seen this, where they open with a headline like, would you like to discover the, the million dollar secret? To hey, we, blah, blah, blah. we do it. We do it. <laughs> okay. That's part of our Perfect. business, man. Perfect. Yeah. So, so I will only take um, natures that allowed me to use that as compared to let's say if today someone's selling like steak knives or like like anything you can't really use that like you can't say like uh, find the the steak knives that will change your life you can't say that so it's a bit more technical so I will only take natures that's around either money okay. dating okay. health and weight loss okay. or some form of uh, like making you feel happier and like personal development because actually that's those three are the most emotion driven yeah. kind where you don't need technical knowledge you're right correct correct so to answer John's question uh, the the, the correct answer I should be giving is I actually spent hours researching, but I didn't because I was just lazy. So I purposely mm. pick natures that can use direct response so that I can just change the structure, but the uh, change the content, but the structure roughly is still there, right? Because the hook, hit, yeah, the, the hook, yeah, yeah the, the hook body, normally the flow, bingo, the, yeah, you know the psychological triggers they are normally about there, and so. Um, that's how I was able to research uh, any new niche uh, in those areas in less than a day and then start writing. So the mm. writing will, will be quite back-breaking because like, normally these copies, they can be like 10, 20 pages long one because yeah. they were like headline and okay, but you know, here's my story, here's the guarantee, here's the no-brainer offer, here's, here's the price drop. Correct, exactly. And then Q&A and then, oh, fast action bonus. Well, it's it's a pain in the in the, in the the butt to write. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that builds yeah. chops. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Going back to your to your time when you had that realization that in the army, besides the PSP, you should be doing more than your uh for your time, right? Yeah. Among your peers, uh, was there uh, something similar in, in the sense that people also realized that you shouldn't be wasting time on PA, PSP? They, they also paste uh you know island cruise <laughs> photos on their <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just want to get a sampling rate because uh your 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 story actually triggered my memory on this guy from Poland capital. I don't know if you heard of this guy, uh, Poland capital. Mm -hmm. uh, he was actually serving uh, two tours in Iraq. And what happened was that they were, you know, be in between missions or sorties, right? Uh -huh. They didn't know what to do, ma. So uh -huh. I, some of them play games or whatever. Yeah. This guy actually had his bunkmate uh, got a copy of uh, um, Ben Graham's book. 
Securities wow. analysis. And wow, then he says, okay. what are you reading? You know, usually it's like yeah. writing letters to your girlfriend or whatever, right? He says, what, what are you reading? <laughs> so after, he's an F-18 Hornet pilot. And, mm. and then because of that, he got hooked. So maybe just from your sampling in your army, yeah. probably how many of them actually spend time yeah. think, thinking and reflecting rather than playing games? Or rough sample. Yeah, uh, I would say less than 1%. So I, I'm the rare one. Uh, mm-hmm. which is, I felt really weird back then. Okay, let me just give a bit of background because um, in the army, they would just put you into random units. We call it units and people yeah. from all background. Yeah. So the unit that they put me in was this unit known as armor, which means we learn to drive tanks and everything. Ah, okay. Yeah, and then back then, my my, my bunk mates, which is, we are still very close today because in Singapore, you have to continue serving the army once a year for mm-hmm. like two weeks just to refresh the skills. So I see. Uh, we always meet, meet up. Um, many of them, the the so by luck or by destiny, whatever you call it, the batch that I was allocated in, had mainly all guys who dropped out of secondary school. Oh. So the whole back tattoo, speak in Hokkien and all sorts of stuff that I can't say uh, in this mm. podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So obviously they, they don't, they have zero interest in, mm. in I mean, some of them can't even properly read or, or, or write fully. Okay. Uh, and, and so, but they can speak normally, but, it's, but yeah. it's always Hokkien with English, Chinese and vulgarities mixed in all together. So yeah. none of none of that, <laughs> um, <laughs> nobody was interested in internet marketing. In fact, like I had like people who came up to me in Max, uh, like speaking Hokkien or Chinese, like, yeah. what are you, you're always reading the what are you reading? Then I, I would say oh, internet marketing. And they look at me with like, what, like, what, like you go to the market and, and like, so that was how literal because internet marketing basically where we market stuff online, but to them it was the, the literal market market. So, um, very different walks of life that exposed me, that I was exposed to in that. But so yeah, none of that. I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I can understand, right? Someone who is from that sort of background yeah. do not get what you're doing or do yeah. not get involved. What else? Yeah. What about people who are from your background that mm. you met an NS mm-hmm. or or JC or whatever. Yeah. What is yeah. the percentage? Is it also 1%? <laughs> yeah, good question. I would say then it would be slightly more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still it was, I felt quite lonely, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it was very hard. Like um, for a lot of them, obviously. Uh, in fact, back then I would look like the impractical one because every time people talk to me, I would always be talking about my dream is to be a speaker on stage. It sounds very in the air, you know, a bit fluffy. Mm-hmm. Whereas people mm-hmm. would be like, you know, in their 18, 19, like uh, after army or before army, they would, they would go work. They would go work as a telemarketer or whatever. So they were actually earning more income than me from a practical point because I spent my time reading books, trying to make affiliate marketing work even though it didn't at the start. So uh, it was very, very rare. And of course, they could relate on a certain level. Uh, thankfully, I had friends who were very supportive. They would nod their heads and, wow, that's really awesome. I'm very inspired by you, everything. But um, you couldn't really connect on a deep idea level. So yeah. Yeah, very rare. They, they could feel a passion, but they couldn't yeah. relate to it. La. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, like, do, do you get, like, people who who kind of laughed at your dreams? Or at least if they didn't laugh, right, you can just sense that, like... They poke cold water. Yeah, maybe they poke cold water <laughs> or they, 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 they just kind of, like, they don't want to publicly disagree with you, but you can sense that they're not that supportive. Was there anything like that? Yeah, so, so you know, this is... Uh, MJ, what you just mentioned, is, is very common in those kinds of, uh, you know, like, uh, seminar speaker story where my friends yeah, laughed yeah, at yeah. me, nobody believed in me. Uh, honestly, I don't know whether I'm lucky or I'm just delusional. I, I didn't experience any of that. Mm. Uh, a lot of my friends, my age back then, from the same educational background, were all very supportive. Like, they were mm. like, Max, I think you can you can do that. Like, 
Uh, oh. Every time I have problems with study, I ask you for problems about math, you end up talking about motivational stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, so, so I think some of them feel that I'm a bit like ignorant and a bit cr- like crazy. Or yeah. too but, optimistic. Yeah, too optimistic. But they never ever poured cold water. I That's haven't good. had a friend who poured Great. cold water. So um, either delusional for me or maybe I tune it out, but I didn't have that. So I can't give any sexy kind of... Which is kind of, uh, I, from your position, and so I did copy before as well, it's kind of uh, disappointing because then you can't use that to put in your copy. <laughs> you know I mean? Objection handling. Uh, yeah. You can't, you can, yeah, <laughs> unless you want to lie. La, you yeah. know, that's you about it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. great. Um, From then when you went on and you had an almost illustrious career, I would say in digital marketing, you know, you did, Digital marketing for different different uh, companies, right? I mean, no, it's actually only one company. Ah, one but it was yeah. broken down into like different durations, eight yeah, months, two years. Yeah, yeah, correct. And then there was a time when you actually was head of training and development. So, what made what what made you pivot or uh, transition into that actually? Got it. So, so I think I'll share a bit. So, um, yeah, that's why I think a lot of um, yeah, I think before I share that part of my life, which is really career-wise, it's really a caveat is that I think I got really lucky as well. I lucked out. So, I mean, I, I wish to say it's a lot of uh, hard work, whatever, but in all honesty, there's uh, quite a bit of luck there. So, um, yeah, I think I'll backtrack a bit. So, it was during my time in army where I picked up digital marketing. And then mm-hmm. because I mentioned, I felt really lonely. So, I started surfing forums online, um, the correct forums, the proper forums online, <laughs> internet marketing. And then I came across, uh, it was very rare to meet local Singaporeans in this scene, mm. uh, even Asians, whatever. Yeah, so uh, in, because most of them would be Americans, right? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is because they are very uh, sophisticated and it's more, a lot more, it's always a few years ahead of the Asian market, at least back then. And so I came across this Singaporean back then, who today is my boss. Uh, his name is called Kelvin. I came across him on a forum and he was a few years um, ahead of me in terms of doing digital marketing, also a few years older than me, about six, seven years older than me. Mm-hmm. And so I just reached out by DM, PM, like, hey, uh, do you mind like, uh, you know, uh, like, mentoring me <laughs> like really that direct because back then 20 years old very lonely you needed someone to guide you and so he was very nice he agreed and we met up for coffee got to meet him and his uh, girlfriend back then who today mm. is his wife and also mm. my lady boss mm. uh, patricia and so because of that i started um getting mentored by them as a friend really no uh, at the start no charges whatever just as a friend giving advice but afterwards i signed up for some of their mentorship programs and courses that they had back then on a smaller scale mm. and so then of course after army you came out i was still doing digital marketing i always had a passion for uh making money and uh, speaking due to the adam crew uh, spark yeah. that planted in me yeah. mm. and then when i was in so i went on to smu in singapore singapore management university and while i was there i was working for them part-time um like most of my holidays, I worked for them part-time, either write copy for them or, or whatsoever because um, they were really, I think my first ever real mentors in, in life. And I obviously shared all my dreams with them. I said, you know, my goal is still to be a speaker one day. I want to speak uh, for some weird reason. I just have this odd drive to want to inspire people from stage. I guess the feeling is just really nice. Mm. And so I said, that's always my goal. And so very thankfully in 2013, uh, they created this training division. So they were running their own digital marketing company, selling stuff online as well, affiliate marketing, uh, creating products, digital courses. They created a training division in 2013 okay. uh, to actually run seminars for the local market, I see. teaching on like digital marketing. Back then it was affiliate marketing, Facebook ads, stuff like that. 
which is very new in the Singapore scene back then. Mm. And so they asked, like, Max, do you want to actually come and maybe uh, try and do a small segment for us? And so at the start, obviously, they want to, like, maybe give me, let me see how I do. So they gave me, like, a 10-minute segment, sorry, 5-minute segment to be the MC to introduce the speaker. I see, <laughs> and, I and, see. And I, I, I grabbed it, man. Like, to, now you look back, it's like, wow, damn stupid. Like, you wouldn't be an MC. But, like, I just wanted a platform to speak. So mm. being an MC was just a way to start. So <clears throat> I started doing that for just like, so I would travel down from uh, work over to the office because where the seminar was, um, do like a five minute, 10 minute MC segment and then go home <laughs> for a few times. <laughs> but I felt so on top of the world just having uh, the ability to speak to an audience, even though it's a bit, it's just like introducing the speaker. There's no credibility mm. on me whatsoever. And then from there, so I started doing that. And then afterwards, they gave me a small segment in their like three days course to teach on copywriting at the start. So that's how I've built a bit of that confidence, that stage presence, and then realized that actually, hey, you know what? Like, um, people who are two times, three times my age, but then I was like 23, mm-hmm. are okay with learning from you if mm. you have credibility in that field. Yeah. Because I think as a 20, 23 year old, you're like, who in the world want, like, which person three years my senior, uh, three times my senior, <laughs> want to listen to some young dude in your 20s talk about copywriting? But hey, I was, they actually were very nice. And, and so uh, that's when I learned that actually when you have a certain credibility in a certain field, the age doesn't matter. Mm. And yeah, so I did that while I was working in uni part-time, uh, all working for them. And I think very fortunate, very blessed. They, they saw potential in me. I really had no idea what they saw in this young dude, but they, they gave me a shot at life. Uh, and before I graduated, uh, which is why I said I'm very lucky, I never had to go find a full-time job in, mm. in my life. Mm. Before I graduated, they already offered me uh, a full-time job. And and this this yeah so you know in in the Singapore uni I'm, I'm sure it's it's same for Malaysia it's always the six months before graduation you were everyone's talking about hey bro you find a full time correct exactly yeah yeah it's it's quite hilarious right so and I found it and I didn't have to even create a resume because they knew me already so it's just yeah. like Max you want to uh, you want to do but of course it was a starting uh, base role uh, even though they knew me for a few years but I think they still wanted to like let me go through the normal way so I joined as an executive no special treatment whatever. Mm. executive uh, starting salary like 3k like, like nothing no big deal uh. so uh, as an executive and that's when after I graduated joined them full time so that's where you saw the different progression so it started off doing digital marketing for about the first one year okay. but I think because of my past seven years background before that since army doing it in uni uh, I was able to pick up quite fast and I think added value through the campaigns and copies that I wrote so then the following year uh, they made me the digital marketing manager but the team was quite small. So I was actually just managing two, three other people. So mm-hmm. it wasn't that big like a manager, manager. But uh, that gave me the ability to learn a bit of uh, leadership skills, what have you. And then from there, same thing was when they realized that actually like my passion still has always been with training. And I, that was when I really started to go down the rabbit hole of training. So um, yeah, I haven't really shared this with any friends before, but I was, I was mad obsessed with speaking. So mm. I would spend my free time because I kind of was decently competent with the digital marketing side where I had the skill sets. Okay. So I started watching a lot of stand-up comedy. Uh, ah. It sounds really stupid, like stand-up comedy. I started watching a lot of Tony Robbins. Uh, sounds odd as well, watching Barack Obama to see his uh, hand, his poise hand and, uh, yeah. uh, gestures, watching Steve Jobs, the 2007 iPhone release, yeah. where he did all that, like, the iconic ones, yeah. yeah, to see how he kind of paced the audience, uh, even watching, like, uh, funny as it sounds, watching um, wedding dinner MCs, mm. and, you know, like, company D&D, the MCs, you know, normally they play Lucky Draw, these things, do that how to engage and facilitate the crowd, so I would try and blend all these things in my speaking, because I was dead 
that I was just obsessed with wanting to get good at speaking. And so because of that, uh, I feel, at least my, from my perspective, uh, the quality of the trainings that I did for my company didn't increase, whether it's through the, the audience feedback, the customers uh, wanting to attend more of our programs, what, what have you. And so that's when I realized actually might as well just transition into training. So obviously mm. I, I won't know the full reason because that's the decision my boss made. Um, but like, that, was, that was what he told me, like, hey, why not go do training? And, and so I, that's how I just um, full-time went into training. And so, but it was a very small department. The training department only me and like one or two other people. But I was the main person training for uh, quite a few of the our own programs. I see. So that is, yeah, that, that's how I got into that. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I feel that you are very proud of this picture that you had with Richard Branson because if not, <laughs> you wouldn't have posted it. Uh, yeah, when when yeah. did that happen? When did uh, the... That is 2017. 2017. 2017. And that was yeah. when you were already into... That was when you were... Yeah, I, no, I was, I was still the marketing manager back then, actually. Mm, 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 Correct. Mm. But I was doing speaking already. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll share the funny story. Because, you yeah. know, uh, it was, my company's an SME, right? Very small. So in SME, yeah. you normally try and save costs. Yeah. Because I know, John, you come from a more like MNC background. Correct. the past podcast. Yeah. But SME, is, you try and save costs. So there was this one event. It's a business conference that uh, our company organized. About 1,500 people in yeah. uh, Suntech Convention Center, Singapore. Okay. okay. Uh, business conference. A lot of different speakers. So Branson was supposed to be the keynote. And yeah, he was the keynote speaker. And then because for such an event, you need an MC. Mm. <laughs> so I think you guys know guess who in the company loved to speak <laughs> <Even> <laughs> so then they, so they got me to be the MC yeah. and so what you saw on stage was just me as the MC introducing all the speakers and then introducing Branson as well but turned out the fortunate thing is so yeah you got to shake his hand and get that photo that iconic photo that I'm still very proud of yeah, mm, yeah. Mm, mm, great. before we get into investing I just want to get your thoughts on if today someone wants to get into the world of digital marketing right where would yeah. you what do you think is the what, what do you think is the right way or at least the starting point the way of. that has the best chance of you know getting results fast and, and and you know reliably and also like what pitfalls do you think uh may occur to someone who don't have experience got it um that's a very Solid question. And I, I don't think, I, I don't know whether I have the perfect answer for this, but my answer may be a bit trite, right? And that is, um, I actually feel they need to learn multiple skill sets. There is no one course or like, oh, today I'm going to learn blogging or today I'm going to learn how to sell on Shopee and I'm going to make it big. I mean, you mm. can, but you realize at the end of the day, what makes digital marketing or what makes someone a good digital marketer to become um, like full-fledged, what I call the full stack is you have to know how to write copy. But mm. beyond that, it's not the only thing. You have to know how to build a landing page. I mean, yeah, you can outsource the Fiverr or whatever, but you still need to know like what makes a landing page, what's the elements that make it work. Then you've got to understand this other thing, which is a whole new beast on its own, traffic generation. Mm. So it's either you do it through SEO, which is that you rank on Google, or you do it through paid ads, which is you buy media, but it's either one of these. And so uh, to backtrack a bit as to why I give this answer is because uh, when I first started, um, I spent over... $20,000 of my own money, back then all the angpao money or the red packet money, but some of my army savings to buy courses on like, oh, how to sell on eBay, how to do SEO, how to actually uh, write copy, how to actually do affiliate marketing. And I realized that none of these courses in itself worked for me. Mm. And then when I look back, so you know, like online, there's a lot always, um, or maybe sometimes when people attend courses, people always say, oh, you know what, um, whatever field you go into, you should focus mm. and just pick one specific niche or one specific strategy 
and then go all in because if you spread yourself too thinly, you will never be able to get success. I'm sure you guys have heard that before. But looking back at my own progress, right, I actually would say it's the opposite. I would say if not for me having bought so many of their courses across a wide spectrum, when I finally was able to find the right system, um, that in itself wouldn't have worked if not for the past exposure I had on mm. SEO, digital marketing and whatever so that that system somehow you can kind of tie everything in. You get, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. So if you ask me, I think those are the essential skills they need to have. So sorry, it's a very... No, 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 it's good. It's good. But, Actually, I yeah. wanted to just peel one more layer before we go into the investing part. Yeah. Since you spend so much on courses yeah, and you, you in a way thought it was beneficial because it helped you have this diverse kind of experience knowing what yeah. the world and what. Sorry to interrupt this podcast. I know it's a little bit annoying, but I want to tell you something that I think can be really helpful to you. I can tell you're really interested in the stock market and want to learn more about it so that you actually know what you're doing, especially when today things are getting more complex and complicated. That's why we came up with the Stock Investing Blueprint or SIB. It's our signature e-learning program that teaches you how to pick the right stocks most of the time, buy and sell it at the best possible time, and manage your stock portfolio systematically. It currently has more than 10 hours of content and it's growing. You'll also be part of a group of like-minded investors that can help speed up your learning process. To hop on the program, click on the link in the description or go to learn dot viral dot co slash courses slash sib great let's segue now so, yeah, yeah, investing sorry, yeah. I just want to say uh, the reason yeah. we asked the digital marketers for, yeah. for Ian you know yeah <laughs> like, like, Ian's our, our audio guy who's yeah also, audio guy who's also doubling up as a digital marketer yeah, so, <laughs> yeah investing Correct. right so how, okay. how does a uh, this is a rare, rare combination, I think. How does someone yeah. in marketing where you have to focus on like words and writing to persuade people to buy stuff? How, yeah. how does someone like that end up uh, in stock investing? Yeah, a pure accident and I guess um, out of pure desperate need uh, to want to grow my money. So uh, like I mentioned, right? So uh, given my nature since young, I've always been like a self-help junkie. Either mm. I'm, I'm reading books, I'm reading courses, but when I want to excel at something, I would I would go down the, the damn rabbit hole. So like when I want to be a good speaker, I would just spend all my time watching speaking videos. So because of that, uh, of course, like as I started bringing in better results for my company through my talks and seminars that I do, audience feedback was better. Mm-hmm. Uh, then of course, they remunerated me accordingly. Like, salary started to increase. You had to, you were able to like amass a certain size of savings. But because of my obsession with my speaking skills I wanted to get good at, I, I didn't really spend much money. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, basically, I didn't really um, go out much. I was just obsessed with my craft, um, okay. if, if you call it. So it was quite unhealthy back then, now looking back. Uh, but yeah, so because of that, then you, you like, like, I know it sounds a bit exaggerated saying this, but it's really how I felt. Like, it was just one day you wake up and you, hey, well, I have six figures in my bank account. Like, okay, <laughs> like, like, where did it come from? But it's mainly because, like, I just wasn't focused on, like, I didn't even have, a, like, a savings plan, whatever, or, or like, oh, I'm going to hit be a millionaire by when, even though that was the initial thing that got me started with Adam Crew. Mm-hmm. But when I was in it, I was just, okay, I'm just going to want to be the best speaker I could ever be. So it was just purely devoting to my craft back then that, 
uh, I kind of ignored the lifestyle and going out. So that kind of amassed a certain size of savings uh, in my OCBC account, which is, uh, yeah, don't really earn much interest like, in Singapore. And, and so then I woke up and said, oh, okay, I have six figures. So then you just start thinking, okay, actually, I think I should learn how to grow my money, which I did mm. get exposed to through the Adam Cool books. And even because I'm in the seminar industry myself. So I meet mm. other speakers in like Forex, investing, property, trading. And then, but here's the funny, super hilarious thing right i have since when i was younger i never ever thought investing would be something i would enjoy because i mean i couldn't really appreciate the power of compounding like if, mm. if you understand compounding you realize actually it's very amazing but like to me it's like hey i make 20 percent a year like big deal man like, like 20 even though 20 percent is like god like right like, yeah big deal man like let's say i save 100k next year i only make 20k even like even though 20k is decent amount but like that, that's never going to make me a millionaire, man. Like, but yeah. I didn't really factor in that I could like, you know, pump back the money or whatever. So, uh, interesting enough, the first thing I thought of was, um, I need something more, more action-based because I, I like, like, you know, to, I just love like action. So, uh, yeah, it got me into Forex. Mm. <laughs> so, so, the first thing I started was how to trade Forex because you know, like to see patterns and, and since young, I've always had, um, not young, but in my, um, time in army and in uni, I, I, I kind of enjoyed playing poker. <laughs> so, okay. so, you know, like there's a lot of similarities where there's a risk reward, you know, you one R and then you write the trend on that kind of stuff. Uh, so same thing. So I, I saw a lot of similarities to that from Forex. So I thought, uh, same thing, paying courses as much as I can, just throw money at Forex courses, uh, price action trading, learning how to spot patterns, moving averages, so on and so forth. And then of course, uh, that, didn't get me anywhere. Like, like mm. no, no results whatsoever, no profits. You trade here, trade there. Not only was I more stressed, cause you know, investing, you can just set it and let it run. Yeah. And then just monitor the quarterly earnings, what have you. But um, in, in Forex, you have to either look at the daily charts, whatever. Of course, if a longer time frame, you don't need to see every day, but <clears throat> still need to kind of monitor. And it just always thought of your mind. So I didn't like it because I, I still had a full-time job and I'm still at my full-time job now. So um, no results there. Went into futures trading, uh, and then of course, um, from futures trading also didn't really make much money. You you trade stuff like cattle, corn, soybeans, <laughs> like like oil, natural gas, all stuff, sorts of stuff. But it's the same like it's all technical analysis, right? So I was very heavy in TA for a period of time. Bought every TA book course I could I could I could learn from. Uh, cup cup and I don't know what you call it cup shooting style that kind of pattern, <laughs> right? <clears throat> and and so that was really I saw no like no results whatsoever and mm. like. To be fair, because I'm sure there'll be TA guys watching this going like, to oh, yeah, flame yeah. me. Oh, like, we get it. Not, we get it all yeah. the time, now, Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against TA. Just that I feel it didn't fit my personality. Mm. Yeah, uh, and so didn't fit it, and um, and so yeah, because of that, then I realized okay, uh, my savings is increasing somewhat because I was still speaking on stage and I was still excelling in my my, my role at, at at least. Uh, and then but money not moving in the bank. And like, okay, great. So what's the next path? Then because uh, my company is a digital marketing company, so uh, I speak for our own internal uh, programs. Internal means like uh, we teach digital marketing because it's our skill set. Okay. But we also do digital marketing for other uh, course creators, example, Forex, property. So the reason I'm sharing that is because that caused me to get exposed to other speakers in the industry mm. in these other fields. So I could kind of like speak to them as well because we are we were doing their marketing. And, and so I, I met a few property investors who were our speakers that we marketed for to fill their seminar and webinar for. 
And so that was like, okay, this property thing seems quite cool. Uh. And, and so, okay, why not just, so I attended one of the free seminars, uh, sign up for the program, and, and then um, yeah, attended a property three days program, which was great. So it taught me how to buy property in Singapore, residential property. Mm. So I attended like residential, commercial, industrial property classes. And then, so that was quite exciting. Like, oh, okay, property, well, I can be a property mogul. <laughs> you know, mm, the, mm, very mm. innocent. Uh. <laughs> so it's, uh, that was the, the, the game plan. And then, um, so back then, of course, uh, decent size six-figure uh, savings. And then uh, I was ready. So I did some research. And then uh, based on what like, I learned from the class, kind of spotted this uh, residential property that I wanted to buy in Singapore, mm. which is uh, a new launch. Um, so this place in Yunos, I'm not sure. Are you guys familiar with the Singapore map? Not like too the, bad. La. I, I, okay. I, I do know la, my way around. La. So <laughs> okay. I know a few names. So Ang- Amokyo, uh, Serangoon, uh, Bishan. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do know a bit. La, but not, not like really exactly where it is. La, you know? Understood. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah. anyway, there was this place in Yunos. It was a new launch. It was called uh, Park Esta. Okay. So I wanted to, to, to buy that, that property. And then like for some reason, I just... I just felt really uncomfortable because yeah, I think, which is why I loved your podcast where John was the one being put on the hot seat and then MJ, you kind of grew with him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it because just very unsettling. Like, well, once I put in, uh, like that's my whole net worth. Eh. Oh, like, yep. like, like it's, and it's, it's very illiquid. Even though illiquidity could also be a good thing because at least you don't touch it so much. You know, in stocks, liquidity is also a curse. Uh, but it was just very uncomfortable. And then, uh, mainly the feeling of like, because every property investor that I asked, like, Talk about investing, investing, not like buy to stay one. Like they were, I asked them for advice. They will all give the same advice, which is which makes sense. I say, Max, before you invest a property, you have to go and see many different properties. Otherwise, you won't really know. You need a base of comparison. Yeah. But then the the thought. So this is more like a personality personality thing, right? The mm. thought of waking up on a Saturday morning because I work full time. So the only free time is Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday morning driving around Singapore for a property agent <laughs> to go and see 10 houses. And then afterwards, after let's say I secure, I still must negotiate. Uh, assuming it's, it's not a new launch. Like, if it's mm. a, if it's Sub-sale. a, like, uh, yeah, correct. You have to negotiate. And then afterwards, still must go and refurbish everything. What well, the thought of that scares <laughs> me. Eh. Yeah. So, so I guess it's really a personality. I don't like all these admin mm. hassle stuff, which John mentioned a lot in your podcast, <laughs> yeah. which is, uh, I, I resonated so much. So, yeah. Uh, because of that, it just, I just kept procrastinating. So procrastinate, 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 didn't do it. And then so I decided, okay, maybe it's really not my thing, which I felt really sad. Because like, Max, you're, you're such a lousy action taker. You always tell your students to take action in your courses, but here you are, <laughs> property investing, the deal is in front of you. And then like, uh, because it was a 1 million plus property, private wow. property, right? Yeah, yeah, so private, in, yeah. in Singapore, the for private property, the condo, you had to put down a down payment of about 25%. Oh my goodness. Uh, 25? Oh my God. Yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. Plus, of course, there will still be other duties and taxes. But the, the, my percentage could be off by a few points because it's been some years since I went through the course. But it's about yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, about definitely at least 250 grand put inside. But we can use our, what we call the CPF, which is your MPF. Yeah. But mm. it's, it's still quite a fair bit. And so I wasn't comfortable. So, uh, that was why I kind of told myself, okay, um, this thing didn't work. And so my money is still there. <laughs> it's still not moving. Uh, maybe let's, let's try investing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, because, because I, I exhausted all the paths already. Forex mm-hmm. didn't work. Commodities didn't work. I had no experience with crypto or Bitcoin and I still don't. Um, so then no property investing uh, didn't work because it didn't suit my personality. I was quite afraid of uh, all the admin work I need to do. And so... Okay, Max, let's, let's try, let's try investing. Let's see how it goes. Mm. <laughs> that, uh, puny 20% that, you talk, that puny 20% that you're talking about, let, let's give it a shot. Mm. So it was uh, early, early 2019 that I started 
same thing, attending courses again, mm-hmm. <laughs> or this time on property investing, but uh, it was on net-net. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, it was on net-net. So I, I learned about net-net investing from a few courses. Uh, so you were going to, like basically, I think you, you guys would be aware, like you buy things where the cash on, on, on the book is more than the stock price itself, yeah, or yeah, more than yeah, the market cap. Right. Right, and then so it was very fascinating and fun because that was the time where even though of course uh, it didn't get me any results, uh, it taught me how to enjoy reading financial statements. I see. And, and yeah, thankfully because I come from business school, I had a background in because you take like accounting and finance 101 in school, even though I failed those modules, <laughs> uh, at least it gave me the, the, the I had some understanding. So just going through the course, seeing in action now, uh, taught me how to read like cash flow statements, the difference between cash and earnings, all that kind of stuff, income, balance sheet, most important. And mm. I guess that was when I realized that um, because I've always had a love for reading, when I was reading the annual report, I was quite stunned. I was like, wow, this is actually pretty enjoyable. Mm. Like, I cannot believe that I actually liked reading annual reports. So I started reading annual reports and like, because you know, like they have the business section and yeah. they share the business model. I'm like, Max, all these words that look very scary, I actually enjoy reading. I'm like, okay, so it looks like I kind of found my my groove and my niche or whatever you call that. Yeah. So uh, that was how I realized, actually, maybe I should explore a bit more. Then uh, I'll share something interesting of to how my first foray into investing was quite uh, scary for me. The first stock I bought was a net net stock in Singapore. It was a printing company. Okay. Um, it was, I forgot the name. Yeah, Is it I SPH? No, 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 they sell, uh, sorry, they sell printing machines. So, so not, 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 not that kind of media print. Okay. Uh, I believe it's called Fuji Offset, if I'm not right. I think that was the first net net identified. Super okay. excited after going through the course. Okay, uh, uh, cash plus the net asset value is more than the, the stock price. Okay, let's do this. Mm. So I bought. So it's using this uh, broker in Singapore called DBS Vickers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first time ever I'm buying a stock. A bit scary. So, and then me being the itchy finger kind of person, I bought it when I was on the train. Which now thinking about it's a bit stupid. Like, why can't I wait till I go home? I mean, it's, the net net stocks don't really move a lot, right? It's not like a growth stock. So I could just wait. I guess I was just impatient. So I, I bought it on the train. So I was, I was DBS Vickers. I bought it on the train. I forgot how much I put it. I, I bought it. And then after I bought it, so that's... Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. I forgot the... Uh, sorry, I bought it. Um, I bought it. And then after I realized it wasn't doing well, I wanted to sell it. So pardon me, I, I, I remember wrongly. I wanted to sell it on the train. <laughs> so on that Singapore MRT, I pressed the sell button to exit it because the net net was, that stock wasn't making me much money. And so when I sold it, um, there was an error because I think the train went in the tunnel. This is ah, just a yeah. fun side story. And then uh, lost connection. So I pressed sell again. I think you guys know what's going to happen already. Mm. <laughs> I pressed sell again and then it went through. So I'm like, okay, cool. Next day, I was at work, received an order from DBS, uh, call from DBS Vickers. Uh, hello, uh, Mr. Ko. Um, you're actually uh, short of, don't know how many shares of DBS Vickers, uh, uh, of the, that company. We need you to cover back. So then, of course, it's covering cover back is it's fine. Like, it's fine. It's not, it's not that scary. But then yeah. I'm like, okay, uh, let me just cover back. Just, just uh, help me buy back. Uh, oh yeah, but sir, there's a problem I forgot to tell you. Because this stock is very illiquid, you know, net net stock. Uh, there isn't enough uh, liquidity in the market right now. I'm like, okay, so what's the consequence? Uh, which means that we need to go out there to find other uh, other investors or maybe some institutions who own the stock and ask them whether they want to let go of the stock or not to cover back. <laughs> Otherwise, for every day that I don't cover back, I have to pay the, 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 the penalty, right? Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I was damn scared, even though yeah, the amount I put into that company was just like 5, 6k back then, mm. but it was scared, uh, like panicking. Uh. Yeah. Oh, crap. So long story short, about one, two days later, they managed to actually uh, cover back. I think some people were willing to let go. I was the, the idiot who was buying from them to okay. cover back. Okay. Then here's the best part. For the three, four months I held the stock, it didn't move. <laughs> because of the market very illiquid, 
I mm. had to buy back the thing. After that thing happened the next day, the stock price moved up by nice. about a few cents. <laughs> so I'm very, always very proud to say this. The first stock I ever bought and sold, I moved the market. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> okay, but, but it was because of the nature of the illiquidity and all that. So yeah, yeah that was my background. Yeah. Oh, cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so you could, very, very interesting that you said now you could understand the words in an annual report and you could connect. Um, mm. From then on, did you like decided to like focus on certain industries or certain niches or you just like there was anything goes man uh, yeah. uh, cinema consumers or well, well, was there a certain affiliation for a certain industry uh, are you talking about that, my time in NetNet like that duration yeah in, in NetNet yeah. Yeah. got it uh, no no affiliation because uh, at least what I've learned you just use a screener right so you, mm. you go over to like the so we have the of course it's mainly all SGX so the SGX is a screener okay. you screen for the balance sheet with uh, like a, a certain debt to equity ratio I think you guys know this and then yeah. you screen for a certain level of uh, PE ratio less than 3 Can you imagine mm. less than 3 <laughs> and then a few <laughs> other things and then the things will pop up so then so I started buying a few and of course I did screen for Hong Kong so, so I, I recall I bought like this company this printing company uh, I bought Hong Kong Land oh. <laughs> uh, yeah I bought this uh, this watch shop in Hong Kong I forgot what's the name of the shop it's quite popular it's, uh, they sell Rolexes and everything it's a mm. well known uh, watch shop uh, and, and then I bought like I think was it uh, uh, what's the the Uniqlo shop the, the one oh, that oh is, fast retailing ah yes I, I, think, I think so yeah that yeah. and then a few other like I think Tai Seng or whatever okay. <laughs> like a, a lot of these things and so yeah to answer your question no industries it's just pure screener uh, as long as the cash the cash look more than the, the, the market cap I'm like oh okay yeah, like, like deal in the headlights kind of excited <laughs> but then after that you realise that actually just because the, the cash is more than the market cap doesn't mean the management will realise the value for you uh. yeah. like they, they could be just holding it for their own purposes so uh, no, no specific industries everything yeah, uh, yeah. So how have you evolved since, evolved since then? Yeah, how do you transition out of that? Actually? Yeah, so same thing. Lah. So of course, uh, it's always no results, no results. That gives you the feedback that, okay, something's not working. I've got to go and find another course. <laughs> For me, the default path is always uh, a cost. buy course because I really think it's, it's a shortcut. Even though, yes, uh, not all courses will work, but it, it gives me that pattern recognition, right? So um, here's the, the, the second thing, which I think is, well, that's why I, I really credit a lot of it to luck. Uh, so I was just really quite... Sien, like frustrated, right? Um, net, net not working. All my previous forex property commodities all didn't work. Futures didn't work. Mm, mm, okay, mm, uh, am, am I just meant to be just a a saver all my life? <laughs> like so, because you hear people that invest really well in property, but then I have no flair for it. So I started just getting quite dejected. It was one fine day I realized. Uh, I was actually in um, I was I was uh I was just overseas doing a training for my company. It was in Hong Kong actually. Uh, then I got targeted by a Facebook ad, but it was a Singaporean, and this is how the whole thing comes full circle. I saw an advertisement, a Facebook ad by Calvester. Right. <laughs> so Kelvin Cito, and so yeah. of course he runs his own uh, investing programs. And I was like, so normally I, I don't really click on Facebook ads unless it's a competitor to kind of size them up. Yeah. But I don't really click on Facebook ads because uh, obviously I'm in the industry myself, so I, I can be quite skeptical when I look at Facebook ads as well. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, for some reason I kind of he was teaching growth investing so that called out to me so uh yeah just to cut to the chase i attended his program so really a lot of credit also goes to calvin Cito or calvester for being the first uh person that opened my eyes to the world of growth investing making me realize that actually um earnings growth will only or stock price growth will only happen if earnings or revenue grows and so that was the first initial spark in his uh, mentorship 
And then from then, given my same obsessive nature, I went down the whole rabbit hole of like Molly Fool, mm. uh, David Gardner, and then beyond that, reading a lot of the fund management letters, your, your Buffett being like a prayer at the temple of a Buffett. Yeah. And then um, yeah, all, all the other stuff like fund management letters, a lot of different uh, boutique funds and reading their top process. Uh, and then of course, when you discover Twitter, the whole thing just explodes, right? Oh, <laughs> the, yeah. the whole learning just gets like, like microwaved. And so, yeah, so that was in like mid, uh, early part of 2019, mid 2019, about there. I see. Um, and, and so, yeah, that was actually how I, I got into growth investing. Yeah. I see. Is there any hedge fund or, you know, every, I, I, I feel that Buffett's name always gets massacred, if you get what I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? People yeah. always mis- uh, either use it for good or bad purposes. But are there any, investors that you think are so low profile, uh, mm. be it an uh, Asian or a, or a, a Westerner investor yeah. that you f- you felt that you could, you know, uh, idolize or highlight a little bit more that the press actually needs yeah, to- Yeah, basically, who, who are you pasting in your room now? <laughs> yeah. When it comes yeah. to investors, <laughs> which yeah. Yeah. This is the reason I love your vodka. Like MJ will just chip in with like some random witty remark out of like yeah <laughs> amazing um yeah yeah by the way just in full disclosure i don't paste their photos anymore because uh, oh, it's, 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 it's weird for a 31 year old man now not a 16 year old boy to have these photos back in the room but um yeah a few if you talk about uh so, so must they be asian or, or no 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 okay uh, but I'll start with an Asian investor first. Like, it's uh, this guy known as Fred Liu. In fact, if you could get him on into this podcast, yeah, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's the bald guy, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. correct. He's really good, uh, really good. Yeah. Hayden Capital. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, so yeah, same as why I say it's a lot of luck because like, I always ask myself, Max, can you imagine if at the start, right, I, I had read the things that were a lot more hyped up mm. instead of these more grounded philosophical uh, investing strategies. The way I invest would be very different because, uh, you know, the Charlie Munger saying that whatever... Thing goes into your head first that will form the lens as to how you view the rest of the world in future correct so i was just very lucky that the strategies i learned uh and by chance it was really from kelvin's program calvester's program that opened my eyes to this and then i started going down the rabbit hole of, uh, so it was uh like hayden capital fred liu that mm. uh, taught me how to actually kind of spot growth companies at a low multiple where the market doesn't realize its value because of the optionality. Back then, his his main thing he was talking about was uh, Shopee. With, uh, back then, it was mainly just Garena. Shopee was not even in the cards for most mm. of the investors. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned how to spot these kinds of companies. And so that's an investor that I really, really, if you call, uh, I wouldn't say idolize, but uh, I, I respect and I, I've learned so much and I give a lot of credit for. So uh, Fred Liu is one. Uh, second one, this is super cliche tried it's a uh, it's really buffered right mm. um i think there's a lot of buffered gets a lot of uh, a lot of bad um a lot rap. of in, yeah <laughs> rap because people would say he's old school whatever yeah you know, he, he uh, buy a company that doesn't change for 10 years but we live in the era where everything changes in just three months and uh, so he has a lot of bad rap but i think the if you really trace down to the uh, the, the core principles those things will still stand the test of time. Oh, things yeah. like like buying a business because it's something that uh, the management you trust. Buying a business where it's uh, below the value of uh, like the price is below the intrinsic value. Blah blah. blah. All these things is so much wisdom. So I learned a lot from Buffett. Um, yeah, Buffett, um, Fred Liu, and I think um, a few other investors would mainly be like the Motley Fool guys. The David uh, Garner brothers. David Garner, yeah. Tom Garner. Even yeah. though their portfolio is very diversified, I'm yeah. ultra concentrated, uh, so it's very different. But it, it really, a lot of this philosophy is like, okay, uh, buying growth companies that are changing the world, making mm. your portfolio reflect the best vision of your future. Yeah. Uh, those are the things that really uh, jive with me a lot. So yeah. 
I see. Yeah, we yeah. actually interviewed Tillman, who interviewed Fred Liu a lot. Yeah, I saw. I saw. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah so I, I just want to. <coughs> so obviously, it sounds like you finally got the results that mm. you wanted, right? And mm. uh, before we talk a little bit about your financial freedom uh, journey, right? What were some of the investments that you made that really, yeah. um, essentially made the kind of money that you wanted to make in your previous endeavors? Maybe his or what was yeah. the A star list and the yeah. disaster and then, list. Yeah, and you have a disaster list like Correct. failures. Yeah, and as you're talking about the growth stocks now, right? Is it? Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, got it. So I think I'll share um, the because I started going to growth investing since 2019 after I joined the course by Kavester and I just went on the whole rabbit hole. So I, at the start, I was uh, buying companies that were a bit more, what you call uh, growth still, but a bit more stable. So your, your Facebooks, your- um, Amazons. Uh, Amazon, yeah. But uh, I didn't buy Amazon, but it was Facebook. Uh, because mm. So I like to buy companies that I, I know. So I'm from the advertising industry, right? Yeah, so Facebook, yeah. naturally, I know them inside out. So Facebook, uh, Shopify. Um, JD.com. Mm. Uh, yeah. So you can see it's a lot, mainly e-commerce and, and marketing. You can see this where my, right? yeah, my core competency because I subscribe to the circle of competence kind of uh, philosophy. So that was how I started off with. And then here is the the very hilarious part. So in like, um, in end 2019, uh, that's when I kind of slowly chance upon Fred Liu, right? Hidden Capital, which I just shared. And then mm. of course he had this, if you go to his website too today, you can see he has, he had this write-up on C Limited, which mm. was written in 2018, mm. which in my opinion is phenomenal. He breaks down the thought process behind how you can assess a marketplace business, which is you want to look for a marketplace where at the start it's building, you have to subsidize the sellers because when the sellers come in, the buyers will come in, so on and so forth. It's like building a nation, which is a bit similar to building a, like Singapore back in the days where you have to attract people and then only the talent flow whatsoever. So yep. uh, that was when I first started thinking to myself, okay, maybe I should like, you know, because I really understand e-commerce and then like the, the report was so easy to read because I'm from the industry myself. So I understood things like uh, gross merchandise value, AOV, like GMV, uh, average order value. So it came very naturally. So I thought, okay, why not uh, take a position in Shopee? And then of course, back then, uh, sorry, C-Limited, uh, Kelvin was also starting to talk more about uh, C-Limited. So I just started uh, like attending a few of his webinars. This was for the internal community like, back then. And so, uh, and a few other, back then, C-Limited was very under the radar still. I think mm, today, mm. like if you're in Asia, you don't know C-Limited, you're living under a rock. <laughs> yeah. But, um, like back then, very new, like, because of mini still Garina, so it's very uncertain. Uh, but I, and because I was a gamer myself, since mm, now, so mm, mm, mm. Uh, there was so many things I could see it happening because Garina's main game is what? Free Fire, right? Free Fire is where people go there to not just kill each other, but they would go there to hang out with friends. And then same thing, my Maple Story days taught me that I could spend two hours in a game, not killing zombies, but I just spent two hours there talking to my friends about the teacher <laughs> in school that I don't like. So it was like a, a mini metaverse back then, kind of. So I could see that playing out. So, so it, it was my life's, uh, my, my own experience in my own life that caused me to, to see that. So that was in 2019. Uh, here was the, the, the ultra hilarious, but I started taking position in, in, in C, C Limited. And then uh, 2020 in February, um, the, the market, I think February, so I think we know what happened in March, right? Yeah, <laughs> in 2020, yeah. February, uh, the market was at an all-time high. Here's the, the best part. I actually went heavy into a few of these e-commerce companies. So like Shopify, um, C Limited, because uh, I just thought like they were going to execute well on all cylinders, whatever. And then who knew when I, when I entered, it was the all-time high back then. Mm. Uh, and then just two weeks later, boom, the circuit breaker mm. for, for the, the market a few times, right? And so here's the thing. I always, I feel a bit bitter today, a bit sien, but frustrated. But of course, 
cannot overtime the market. And that is like, uh, but when COVID hit, right, I was out of ammo. So, so oh. my, 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 my returns were, were not because of the COVID drop because, and how I wish it was, right? So uh, by the time the first circuit breaker came, I, I had no ammo already. The, the mm. only ammo I have is the, the money salary coming in. And, and, like after the put aside my expenses, just try and put it in, but it wouldn't move the needle already. Yeah, then, yeah. Everything was all in. So it's mainly e-commerce companies. And then um, afterwards, this, uh, when, when COVID hit, uh, because before COVID hit, because we are in the seminar industry, so we do quite a few webinars. Uh, I was using Zoom since 2019. Mm. Okay, so I think you saw where this is going already. Yeah. So I started, uh, so Zoom only took over the world by storm in 2020 because That's of right. COVID. That's but right. we were using Zoom for our webinars back then. We also used to do interviews with other digital marketing people that we bring onto our, our program to interview for our students back then. So I was very familiar with Zoom. And so I started taking a position in, in Zoom in end 2019 already. Mm. Yeah. And then uh, when 2020 came in, of course, I was like, okay, my, my whole office is using Zoom. And then uh, we had a, we had a trial where we started using Hangouts because in March, Zoom had the, you know, the scandal where uh, there was pornography, child pornography by hackers or whatever. So we started using Hangouts. Everyone in my company complained about Hangouts. We started the same journey, man. Same, man. Now it's I Microsoft see. Teams, man. Now <laughs> we're bashing Microsoft Teams. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so that was really, and of course, looking back, it was really very anecdotal. And, and, and like, it's just anecdotal evidence, right? But then that kind of gave me the confidence because Beforehand, I already kind of studied the company and uh, mainly I, I was, I like the founder, like Eric Yuan. So uh, just the anecdotal evidence of my company going to Hangouts and coming back to Zoom. So uh, I just loaded up more into Zoom. <laughs> so so, uh, so these companies mainly by a pure chance of luck in because of my circle of competence, e-commerce plus uh, C-Limited plus Zoom mm. uh, kind of uh, made up my, I would say, uh, allowed me to kind of ride the wave for 2020, even though I actually all entered at an all-time high. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, and it's great that you put that timing thing because a lot of people try to time the market to be so mm. precise. And you've given a very good context in the sense that you bought at the high and yet, yeah. you know, the rebound or whatever you've lost during yep. the crash is in a way uh, negat negated because of the long-term growth prospects of these companies uh, and how much they can grow. What, what happens yeah. to be uh, on the disaster list actually? A any lessons that you've learned from your disaster list? Of course, there, there are many. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll share one disaster, which I think uh, hopefully for your viewers could be a very nice lesson because this is super fresh and raw. Just okay. happened only like last week. Uh -huh. uh, and so this is the number one disaster and we can share a bit of the smaller ones. But yeah, I'll share the big one first. It's uh, Peloton. Oh, Peloton. Ah, yeah, Peloton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Very big Actually, news. I want to yeah. understand what's the whole deal <laughs> yeah. of yeah. Peloton to be, sure. to be fair. Yeah, we, we, can, we can go into it. So yeah, I think, so by now through the this uh, last 20 minutes of me sharing, I think you know my my investing style is I, I don't buy a stock just because it's growing, even though I, I think growth is important. Mm. But I buy a stock because first of all, there has to be growth. But more importantly, I must know the company, must be within my domain. Mm. Yeah, so you can see uh, e-commerce, advertising, uh, Zoom, because I use it. So Peloton is fitness, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I've been a gym junkie for the last 10 years. So I work out every day, lift weights, all that kind of stuff. So even though Peloton is not about gym, Peloton is not where you ride the the bike, right? The bike, and obviously they have the treadmill, but uh, it was at least easier to understand. So when it first came out, uh, I thought this uh, just a fitness company, whatever, nothing, no big deal. But then when I saw the customer review, so this was, uh, oh, sorry, I forgot to add, I forgot to add Peloton 
did help my 2020 returns as well because I, I entered uh, early in 2020 as well, right? Mm. Because it's really my domain. So yeah, anyway, um, afterwards I started research a bit more on the company because it's fitness. So why not just go and understand a bit more? So I joined the Facebook group. Uh, apparently all the Peloton users, after they buy you, they, you can join this free Facebook group and, and anyone can join as well. Like even me who's not a Peloton user, I can join. And uh, I was very amazed at the reviews and the, just the, 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 the discussions inside the Facebook group. It's, and I'm sure you guys have heard this, it's a cult. It's mm. it, the best, it's, it's a cult. It's uh, people going there to talk about um, their Peloton. It's not just that, it's like, um, I, I don't know what's the best word to use to describe this. I'll give you an example, a few examples. <clears throat> when someone's mother passed away and then she needs inspiration, she would post a picture of her mother and say, guys, my mom just passed away last week. I need the support on this Peloton ride. <laughs> Yeah, so when I saw that, wow. they are sharing their whole life story. And the most ridiculous one is like, and I say this, it's a bit mean, but I just say it like, like, like you, they can relate not everything that has nothing to do with Peloton at all <laughs> to Peloton. I give you an example. It's like, okay, um, it's the example today that the, the sun is bright and then somehow they capture a photo of a rainbow. Example, right? And they upload the photo of rainbow into the Facebook group. What a beautiful day today. Um, I love Peloton. Like, <laughs> like, like, like. So it's it, it's because it becomes a part of their life, life. It's mm, a bit of an identity. Mm. So there's a very strong identity there. Uh, you guys can go join the Facebook group just to see what what I mean. But um, so that got me thinking about the 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 audience uh love uh the customer love for the product is very high. Mm. And so that kind of got my attention. And then the other thing that hooked me was um, Peloton spends a lot of money on music partnerships. So they have a lot of these rights, right? Where a lot of people think Peloton is just a bike, but um, their rights are all very thematic. So they have like a Britney Spears ride. Okay. Uh, they have like a Michael Jackson ride. <laughs> like, so basically the instructor would kind of play all the Michael Jackson tracks with a bit of remix here and there. And then, cause you know, when you work out, like uh, music is very important. Like when I lift with like the different, if on a day where I don't have my AirPods and the, and the music, I, I won't be able to lift as heavy. So I understand that kind of stuff. It will mm. give you a bit of more, what you call that and endorphins or that, that, that adrenaline to go and push. So then I realized that, okay, they're spending a lot of money on music partnerships. They have a lot of partnerships with like Beyonce, everything. So that's actually quite a good mode that uh, not every other fitness company will have. And if, if you attend spin classes, which I haven't before, but I have a lot of female friends that attend, you know that a lot of them, I, 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 till today, I still don't really get the, the rationale because I haven't been to a spin class myself. Have you Neither been do to I, a spin man. class? Neither do yeah. I. But, but it's, it's, it's huge. It, no, no, but, but my yeah. theory yeah. is that it's popular for females is because yeah. females do things, and of course, this is a stereotype, la, so maybe <laughs> I get bashed. But yeah. the reason is because they like to do it mm-hmm. with a group. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So like guys, right? You lift weights, yeah. right? Yeah. You need yeah. one guy, a spotter. That's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And then yeah, if you don't yeah. have a spotter, I just do it lighter la, this round, right? Yeah. yeah. So for guys, we, we can like do it solo because it's like, it's our craft or we, we want the abs, we want the motivation. Yeah, yeah. But for women, it's like, oh, they, they get to do it with like, you know, their friends. Their groupies. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, no, MJ nailed it. So as I was digging deeper, so this is all anecdotal. Same. I would ask a lot of uh, local Singaporean uh, female friends, hey, why do you attend a spin class? A lot of them, is, oh, I attend because my friends are attending. There you mm. go. And then the funny thing is when I was looking at Peloton, it's the same thing. Everyone is posting like, um, also Peloton has a lot of internal groups as well. They will have a Pelo mum. All the mothers attend a ride <laughs> together. Mm. Uh, and then like, it's quite ridiculous. Huh? They have a, uh, Cannabis pillow because you know like it's, it's allowed like <laughs> yeah, people yeah. I I kid you not they they apparently they smoke weed 
then they go on the right because it makes them even better. But and then all the cannabis lovers group together. That's how insane it is. But so mm-hmm. they have engineer Peloton, Pelomam, all these kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, veteran Peloton, all the people who served in the uh, Iraq comeback. Yeah, so all these kinds of groups. So same thing. It's a very. It's not only is the customer love strong. There was so much social what we call grouping around there. So it's sticky. Mm. And plus the music. And so I realized, actually, when I look into this, like, even though, yeah, I, like MJ mentioned, when we live with it, we live alone. But all the other factors about music helping me live a bit heavier, music helping the riders push more, making it more enjoyable, uh, that really called out to me. Uh. And then when I keep seeing the, the reviews, uh, went in a lot deeper to the YouTube reviews, uh, the Facebook reviews, it's like people go for a peloton, they ride the ride because they enjoy it. Yeah. Like, like, so, like, you know, fitness for the longest time, like, if you want to, like, you know, uh, MJ mentioned, you want to get a six-pack app or you want to lose weight, you want to get a sexy, curvy body, the the workout is just a means to an end for, yeah. for most people, right? It's unenjoyable. But what I was seeing is that in, when people ride the Peloton, the workout is an end in itself. People ride mm. the Peloton because of the adrenaline, because of that, um, that, pardon me, but a bit of the, the church-like kind of feeling that mm, they get. Mm, yeah. Mm, and, and so because of that, uh, I saw a lot of similarities to um, fitness and all that kind of and, uh, religion. Uh, and, and so because of that, uh, I started taking a position in that, which was great for 2020. And then, uh, and I still like the company, but the reason I share, so you might be wondering like, like isn't this- Why is this a failure? Yeah. yeah, failure, right? Um, I overly sized the position too quickly. So just to- uh, cut to the chase, uh, I, I size my, so my, my pattern for, or my strategy for investing is I would uh, enter as the company executes, right? So I would, even though I, no matter how much I love the company, I would always put in a small trench first. And then as the quarter, they prove themselves based on the metrics or the three to five key variables I'm looking for that I write out in my own thesis. If they are trending according to that, to that uh, thesis, I would add more. And of course, if the valuations are better, I would add more accordingly. Uh, so I, I did that very disciplined, uh, in a very disciplined manner for the whole of 2020 for Peloton which was great for my returns. And mm-hmm. then end 2020, uh, so back then my average price was well, I think uh, average cost basis about 60 or uh, 60 plus. And then um, the price went up to like $160 at the year end. So it's pretty amazing, right, the returns. And then end 2020, they acquired this company. Uh, by the way, do you guys, because uh, I know like uh, you guys, maybe you live weights as well. Do you guys like gym often as well? Yeah, you I do it about yeah. three to okay. four times a week. Perfect. So they acquired this company known as Precore. So I'm sure pre-core. you know Precore. Yeah. Not too sure. Equipment company? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fitness company. So uh, at okay. least for the Singapore gyms that I'm in, right? right. Uh, a lot of uh, treadmills, a lot of fitness machines are either live fitness or Precore. P-R-E-C-O-R. Yeah, it's Let one word. The, uh, US-based. Uh. Yeah. Let me see yeah. the Precore. Home fitness, let's see. Yeah. Yeah, let me let yeah. me just check out the, sure. the equipment. Treadmills, uh, yeah. FTS glides. Yeah, they're, they're basically like a well-known uh, fitness right. equipment mm. manufacturer. Okay, so they okay. they acquired uh, Precore. Okay, because uh, they wanted to also go into the commercial space. Of course, Precore is quite a well-known uh, manufacturing, uh, like a fitness manufacturing company that would manufacture treadmills or these for like you know hotels, whatever, all these kinds of stuff. So and then like, everywhere I go, so this was where my blind spot came in, okay. and that is um, I'm I was using too much of my personal reference points uh... Uh, to make my deductions without looking at the hard facts, or maybe I, I I did look at hard facts, but I guess my personal preference overrode my logic. Uh, bias, which is, the bias, yeah, which huh? is something that I'm still uh, annoyed with myself because investing should be a pure 
bloody ruthless <laughs> um, logical activity, right? Um, but that was when I, and because of my fitness background, I think that kind of did it for me. And that's like, wow, I'm in the gym almost every day. I, I always use pre-com when I run in the, in the, in the, in the gym and on the treadmill. Everyone around is a pre-com machine. They just bought pre-com. They're already so big. They're, everyone's addicted to their, to their bikes. If they just bought pre-com, wouldn't that make the thing even more like they're going to dominate, man? And so because of that, like, I started like, um, painting all the rosy scenarios in my mind. And then I, I backed up the truck. So mm. the, 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 the savings, uh, because I, I still have a full-time salary, right? So all the other savings, and I don't enter the market every month. I will normally wait for proper valuations or timings. But that December at the, which is, I mean, back then I wouldn't have known that. That was the all-time high that Peloton would ever see, at least mm. till, till today, mm-hmm. right? It was last year, December when they acquired pre-call. Um, I backed up the truck, which is the rest of my savings, loaded up into Peloton, and that pushed up my whole average price. Of course, this year at the start, I did add a, a bit more, but that pushed up my whole average price to about uh, 100 Wow, yeah, about hundred. Then of course, I think you guys know what happened uh, last week. Uh, they released earnings, complete massacre. Uh, stock dropped to like fifty dollars, and so it was it was a big big uh loss la. Then of course the thing was, um, like people would say, okay, but Max, it's it's unrealized profits, right? As long as you mm-hmm. don't realize it, if I still believe in the company, uh, it's fine, which I still do. Uh, but because I have a relatively concentrated portfolio, uh, just to give some background, I'm currently only in like uh seven to eight positions, mm. but the top four take up like 90% of my whole portfolio. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And that's because, because I, I don't have a habit of trimming. I, I don't like to, to trim because I like to just let the winners run. And, and if I, and that's because of my very small circle of competence as well. I, I, if I just keep trimming here and there, I have nowhere else to put the stocks. Right, so it's a bit uh, small that's at right. least. So um, because I don't trim, I, I let the winners run. So a lot of those, uh, the 90% that's most concentrated, got uh, that's most concentrated, got there because of their, their own growth. And so mm. because of that, I asked myself, okay, Max, uh, it dropped 50%. In a few years, I think they'll recover and still do more than this. So I'll likely be okay. But if I'm going to keep them, and because they guided for revenue uh, for the next year to be quite flat, it's just a very small percentage uh-huh. increase. Mm. So as a growth investor, you know, the minute revenue doesn't grow, the stock will not move on. Or, or like it will not, there will not be a magical pop like, unless something happens in their cuts, right? So to me, I'm like, okay, it's going to be stuck there. It's kind of dead money. What am I going to do? Am I going to just... Uh, because I still believe in company, let it go there or should I trim? So I made the difficult decision uh, just a few days ago, which is why I think this is uh, such a uh, raw sharing. That is, yeah. I decided to trim the position. Uh, so I trimmed it. And, and so, yeah, took, took uh, quite, a, quite, a, quite a heavy size loss uh, given my position and my, my portfolio size, uh, heavy size loss. Uh, thank God for position sizing still. So I, I'm still up like 50% here today, but um, it was a painful lesson especially when you think of like, so you know, investing, uh, you're always taught, like the proper way to think about it is to always see your your gains and losses or your portfolio in percentages. Like, okay, uh, you lost 2%, 3%. That, that's very logical. But mm, mm. Uh, somehow or another, you cannot help it but think of the absolute number. Mm, and so course, the amount that I, that I trimmed down uh, for Peloton uh, was enough to kind of like buy a car in Singapore. See, that's, <laughs> and, that's always yeah. the case, right? Then you think about yeah. how many, even yeah. when I had smaller capital, <laughs> you think, wow, yeah. how many chicken rice is this? You know? <laughs> so yeah, many and, meals, you know? Exactly. And do, do, don't even say a car, like you can, like you can cover like a, like because I'm not yet married, right? Like a, a full year's worth of living expenses and maybe oh, yeah. more, right? Yeah. So then you think about it. But then if you think about it, it's like, okay, max is less than like 5% of, of the portfolio, you're, you're still okay. But then like, uh, when, when you do that, it's like, yeah, so it, it still stinks, honestly. And of so course. I thought it was, a, it was a good sharing to share. So the problem wasn't in the stock because I still, at least for my own thesis, I still believed in the company. The problem was that I broke my own discipline and my own buying rules and I backed up the truck just with that 
uh, pre-call acquisition without mm. using the facts to guide my decision. So it was a bad move and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm still annoyed at that. Yeah. <laughs> so no. I, 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 I have a question. Yeah. Um, sure. The, Based on that, because you, you touched on something that I think uh, we see a lot in our group of uh, people who, who we guide, uh, Max, is because mm. not many people are willing to cut loss. Mm. Because they, the, the moment they, they, they go in, right, and they mm. already bought and they say, oh, it's paper loss. Uh, so I, I don't want to realize that loss. Mm. So what would be advice that you would give people to that? Is it because when you resize your position or you reallocate, was it because of opportunity cost that you could have bought something else and that yep. would have made the gain? What, what, what were the psychological factors that you psyched yourself up to? take that mm. loss actually. Well, I, I love this question because yeah. Yeah, I, I think more people or more investors should learn this proper concept. Um, yeah. So, by the way, before I share my answer, I think just make caveat, um, my investing strategy is a bit odd and weird because I try and uh, make it fit my own personality. So yeah. just to share how odd and weird it is, like I, I don't have a brokerage app on my phone. Uh, when I want, you might be wondering, but how do I buy? I will buy the stock and I delete the app. And every time <laughs> I want to buy, I will go and download the app again, interactive <laughs> brokers and delete it because I, I'm, like I've been a big, huge influence by Buffett, Li Lu, all that kind of investors. So I want to train myself to at all times always think like an owner. So to mm. me, it's like a, an owner never wakes up every day checking your net worth every day, how much is it? So I just want to destroy all this like environmental influence on me. Uh. And then yeah. another thing is on weekdays, I never I never ever check stock prices. It's just to share like my, my weird before I give the answer. So when I have friends that tell me like, hey Max, uh, do you know Peloton or City Limited dropped by this amount? Well, I'll get pissed. I'm like, don't tell me about stock price. <laughs> because I mean like, if you really own a business, there's no such thing as a stock price or you will never really know like this business, oh, today is valued this, tomorrow is valued 10 billion lesser. Like no such thing. So uh, that, that's to caveat first if I give my answer because mm. my answer is going to be a bit, um, a bit uh, weird. So there's a few reasons I decided to cut the loss. Number one is actually what John, you nailed and that is the opportunity cost. That's actually the biggest reason. Mm, mm, uh, mm. Because, uh, and this one is also very thankful up due to my days in uh, at the beginning going down the rabbit hole of uh, Motley Fool um, and a few other forums. I, I've learned from a few good investors like uh, at all times, the best investors, you never ever focus on the PL. Instead, mm. you ask yourself, this amount of money left in this stock, is this the allocation that this stock deserves or this company deserves? If let's say I have, so it's instead of saying like, oh, uh, I just lost um, like a uh, hundred bucks or I just lost five, $5,000 on this stock yeah. or I just lost uh, 1% of my portfolio on this stock. Let me just make it back. Ask yourself, oh, this, uh, my, my, my amount of money remaining in this stock is 10% of my net worth, for example. Mm. Does this stock deserve 10% of my net worth now given what it says is going to execute uh, the next two years? So that kind of makes it more, uh, you look at it like fungible uh, stuff, right? Like you look at money like very fungible things, right? That like you can just shift it around. So it, mm. make, it trains you to think like a portfolio manager. So my mindset is always geared towards like, how many percent of my net worth do I have in this company? And does it deserve that percentage? Mm. If it doesn't, that's why I trimmed it. So that's one. Mm. And then the second one, which is where the unorthodox thing, I decided to, so I was actually also thinking about Max Law, this is really not an easy loss to take. But mm. I decided to trim it for one reason. I wanted to teach myself a lesson. I know it sounds mm. very stupid. Mm, mm, I wanted mm. to feel the pain because I feel that, okay, yeah, even though it's unrealized, I still feel pain, right? But mm, if mm. I don't realize it, you know, I still have that hope. I wanted, So I went to trim a, 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 a percentage of it um, because I wanted me to realize that loss so that I remember this uh, for life. Uh. Mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm, so that's, that's the- interesting. 
Yeah, so I'm always trying to I'm always trying to blend psychology. Maybe it's due to my copywriting days, <laughs> but my uh, blend psychology with investing so that it can fit my personality, and that's why I have to caveat it with um, that's the stupidest reason to ever trim, and that is I want to teach myself a lesson, so I trim. It's the stupidest reason, but uh, I that was my rationale to, to be in full, full transparency. Yep. Yeah, uh, great, of, uh, great. yeah, that's a I've never heard that before. It's like <laughs> yeah. you're just damaging yourself to like make the pain even more, so that <laughs> you learn it a little bit better. Yeah, which is interesting. Do what, the, I don't um, trim the whole thing, la, so it's, it's not like a stupid right. like like kamikaze. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of opportunity cost, right? So what what uh, investments are you maybe prospecting right now in terms of, you know, you think the stock is pretty interesting? Okay, so then uh, do I share a company that I own or, or that I think it's a uh, pretty? It, it, it could be yeah. both. It could be it either. Be either one. Yeah. You know, company you would add. Let's say you already own that, you would like to add more, or perhaps a company that you don't own yet, but you're like, hmm. Got it. Okay. Uh, I, I think I'll share the one that I own first. Because this one is a lot easier. Then I'll share the one that I plan. Um, I'm, I'm looking. Yeah. So uh, the one I own first, which is something I was thinking should I share here at this podcast because uh, it's actually still limited. Yeah. And I think it's uh, overly talked about already. So when you guys like ask me to share the stock, I, was thinking, I, I would share C-Limited uh, mm. because it's my highest conviction stock. But everyone talks about it. I think Calvester was on here. He talked about it already. So, um, so do I still share a bit more or like just... Oh, it's up to you. It's really up to okay. you. Yeah. Yep. So if you ask me, I, I would say my highest conviction that I still think is very interesting given the runway it has, it's still uh, C-Limited, which is yeah, basically the triple dragon hits, right? Your Garena, mm. Shopee, and C-Money uh, for a few reasons. So uh, number one, yeah, it, because so I think if you are full disclosure, I started taking positions heavy in uh, end 2019. Uh, so uh, because of that, I'm, 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 I think it's easier for me to talk about the stock in a very happy way because yeah. of the, the unrealized uh, profits. But uh, first things first is, yeah, I think given that we're in Asia, I think Malaysia, Singapore, you've seen all the Pachukang, Jackie Chan ads. Like it's, <laughs> it's no stranger to that, but a few reasons. Um, so I, I track that very closely. Uh, their main money maker, it's actually Garena, which is Free Fire, right? And, and so I track these metrics pretty, uh, like very, watch it like a hawk. Uh. Garena's EBITDA, uh, like adjusted EBITDA profits, basically the adjusted EBITDA, which is, EBITDA is kind of like a proxy for like cash flow, even though I know Charlie Munger says EBITDA is a nonsense, but uh, it's still a good proxy for like the cash flow that company generates. If you look at it, the cash flow that Garina generates through Free Fire, uh, it can cover all the EBITDA losses for Shopee mm. and C-Money, if you actually look at it in the context. And Shopee's main loss is because of their aggressive, crazy marketing spend. Yeah. Right, right. So, uh, but so people always get very, people get fearful like, wow, but Max, I know Shopee, they're, they're losing money when they just look at the, because when people look, they don't break into the company, um, the, the subsets, right? They just look at the whole company, the, right. the whole holding company. The consolidated so number actually. Bingo. So when you look yeah. at that, obviously it's hard to, for you to go and get a better picture. But when you dig deeper, right, actually Garena's amount can cover Shopee and uh, see money. Which then actually leads to the next question. Like, okay, true. But then that's a very big risk, right? Because if Free Fire goes down, <clears throat> then that would be a big issue, which I would agree wholeheartedly. Mm. Uh, and that's where you want to watch Free Fire. And that's also, I think, where my in uh, previous background with uh, being a video game addict does help. And that is when you have these kinds of games where I'm, op- I'm observing their execution where um, in Free Fire, like, um, they actually have a lot of partnerships with a lot of different uh, examples. When Squid Game became popular, they created like a Squid Game map in the Free Fire game. Uh, they tie up. They have tie-ups with like One Punch Man, uh, Street Fighter. Uh, they, when the, they partnered Cristiano Ronaldo back then, he even had a character in Free Fire. 
Oh. So, so they had a lot of so every so I'm watching every quarter the amount of new what I call content that they create to keep the the users sticky, uh, mm. right? So so that's that's something I watch closely, and so far they have they have been executing accordingly. And of course, the easy way, of course, you can look at Google Trends, which is why I'm sure everyone knows. Look at Google Trends. You look at the free fire interest. It's still high. It's in fact like matching or even more. Uh, the last time I saw it was some time back, so I can't recall the specific relative uh, graph trend, but it was relatively around the same as when COVID first hit last year. Mm. Wow. But COVID has really died now. It's, it's yeah. really open already. But, so people should be playing less games apparently, but it's not. It's more. So basically, their innovation is still there. And so because of that, that gives me the confidence. Uh, and Did you play yourself? Or did, did you? No, no. I, I, okay. I don't. Yeah, I, I try not to because I know my, my personality. Once I start playing and doing something, I, <laughs> Rabbit I wanna I want to get good at it. <laughs> like yeah. I, will, I will spend the money or whatever. So I don't. Uh, <laughs> okay. but same thing is my past video game background that made me realize actually these kinds of games a lot of people say yeah, max but their whole Garena is only relying on Free Fire which is true mm. but if you look at a lot of these hit games right the longevity of course unless something screws up which may happen longevity is normally quite a few years long. like you look at your League of Legends yeah. uh, you look at your uh, Fortnite it, like, it lasts quite a while right uh, Warcraft that's the, that's the best example right yeah. uh, so this one I'm obviously my, my thesis here is that given the content that they innovate on and they continue to create that amount of money will continually be spended onto Shopee and uh, C-Money which then brings me to Shopee and that's the best part which I love and that's from their recent earnings call um, their, their chief corporate officer Yan Jun Wang was saying that oh actually for Shopee uh, and she keeps saying this over the past few earnings calls they're already in control of their own destiny so they can actually turn profitable if they want just that they choose not to because they want to achieve dominance and scale so the what they are always guiding for the investors to understand the management is that um, in a marketplace it's always winner takes all it's yeah. dominance you want to go for dominance and scale first because once your dominance and scale happens your unit economics what we call profitability will take care of itself because then you can raise the commissions you can charge higher whatsoever and so it's the same thing and so they in the recent quarterly two earnings which is in august they already reported that uh yeah your home country which is malaysia is EBITDA positive mm. uh, before they account for the HQ, which is the GNA expenses, uh, the administrative expenses. Taiwan's also EBITDA positive. So the, it, sure, it tells me that the playbook is working. Uh, so And then, of course, a few other countries, same thing, you go and monitor your Google Trends. Um, they are whooping Lazada's ass left and right. Uh, yeah. Almost every country. like it's, it's not even joking anymore. It's like, you look at the, the that's just last 12 months, the relative interest in Shopee versus Lazada or like um, Tokopedia or Bukalapak in Indonesia, it's like two, three times more like it's, it's not even like or maybe just a, a small margin it's two three times in multiple more so that tells me that um yeah there's they can be profitable and then in indonesia um their recent earnings call as well she mentioned that which is their biggest market of course indonesia is really their like you must take indonesia you cannot don't take indonesia. yeah it's, it's the biggest southeast asian market uh the consumers are buying seven times a month on um on shopee and wow so that number is useless to me if i just say it like this but if you actually backtrack so when last year covid hit uh, or before COVID, it was four times a month per in Indonesia. When COVID hit, it increased to like five times per month. So, so then when you look at numbers, you look at the trend, right? Oh, okay, so they're executing the holding. It means that one thing, stickiness is there. Mm. Stickiness is there. And people are not going just because of Shopee PPP. <laughs> Stickiness is there. It becomes a habit. So that tells me, okay, they are training and manage management is not just like, a, you know, just selling me the, 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 the pipe dream whatsoever. So Shopee can be profitable. Um, Garena is already profitable. The next one to take is C-Money. Mm. So because of these things, uh, and come, I think living in Southeast Asia, you get a very first-hand experience of it. It's early days, man. I think we know this. Yeah. It's early days. Penetration is so low. Yeah. Uh, I think in Singapore, 
Singapore, maybe I can't see as much. Maybe Malaysia, you can see more. But you look at Indonesia, the amount of underbanked is, you know, it, it's a lot. In Singapore, I think almost everyone's banked, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So because of that, I think there's a lot of runway for for C money and even for Shopee because uh, uh like shopping online is still a new thing for a lot of the rural or uneducated what have you. So because of that, I uh that's where my conviction comes in in terms of the runway, and also I just have a soft spot. This one is a bit of a weakness. I have a soft spot for management, uh, which in this case is Forest Lee, which is the CEO mm. for management that is very low profile. Mm. Uh, they, they like to under deliver. They, they the under promise like, and uh, over deliver. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, under promise, over deliver. Don't yeah. really have the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, every earnings call, they, they're always executing, executing and don't really uh, hear them say much. And so uh, I chance upon this letter from Forest Lee, which is the CEO of uh, C Limited. It's an it's a internal memo to the Shopee staff uh, earlier this year. Yeah. I think they crossed a certain anniversary in their, their life duration and he was sharing about their their plans to hit the one trillion market cap, which I don't really pay attention to because anyone can say that. But uh, it was an internal letter that I think that got leaked. Lah. So some of the investors started sharing it in like private Shopee groups. And then you could see the way he wrote to his uh, company was very eye-opening. It's really the type of... Uh, and so one of the key shortcuts or mental shortcuts I use to spot companies I want to invest in is the, the leadership. So he likes to talk about like, okay, everything we do, uh, we always must learn to embrace technology. Uh, because technology is at the forefront of innovation. So we mm. cannot like be fearful of technology. Technology must be used in our company, but not just that, technology must change the consumer's life. And mm. we must always, at all times, always focus on the customer value mm. before we decide to monetize. And so um, that's the kind of traits that I look for. I like companies to have like, um, they don't monetize just because they can. They don't mm. profit maximize just because they can. Mm. So uh, those few things at our management, uh, runway plus uh, the execution so far, which to me is the most important because that speaks for itself. Uh, that gives me a lot of confidence. And that's why if you ask me, this is really the, uh, um, uh, the at least for now, unless something happens, uh, the business that I have a lot of uh, excitement for. Yep. Mm, great. I, I think you touched on something that is... Yep. Uh, I feel somewhat very lacking in Malaysia. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know about Singapore. Uh, I mm. know in the US it's uh, it's okay, but obviously it's more. It's about CEOs himself writing mm. letters to shareholders. Mm. So you know you've got you've got Buffett who started this all way back in 1957, right? Yeah, yeah. And yet you have company CEOs they don't even write uh, the the management discussion in the annual reports. <laughs> and, you know yeah. they they have some template that they copy of, and we know because we re- we record a lot of it, right? It's like yeah. oh my god. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on company CEOs or leaders of business mm. or businesses actually communicating better? Not just maybe mm. through a letter or communicating better with shareholders. What, what What's your hope for that actually? Got it. Actually, yeah, hey, um, that's the same uh, pet peeve or things I wish more uh, company CEOs would do, which is write letters to the shareholders. Mm. Um, but to answer the question, I feel that um, it's not always the case where you can just j- judge based on the shareholder letter because mm. I'm very certain they have a copywriter coming to edit <laughs> afterwards, right? And yeah, yeah. plus really sometimes if you really put on a, a different uh, lens to look at it, if this guy's a very good communicator, it could also mean that he's a he's a promoter. Like, yeah, I mean, like, for, like 
Adam Newman of WeWork or, or, or <laughs> yeah. Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos, you know, yeah. that kind Correct. of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, other than your Elizabeth's, uh, other than your, your Adam Newman or WeWorks, right? Um, yeah, so it's like, so I think a lot of exceptions we look at sometimes gets blown out of proportion, like Buffett's an excellent investor and an excellent manager and he also happens to write amazing letters. Correct. Bezos is another excellent communicator, oh, yeah. yes. right? But I'm very certain but at least I haven't came across, there's also a lot of good communicators that could just be your, your next Madoff uh, in, <laughs> under like a sheepskin. So that's where I think uh, I'm a bit more skeptical to, to answer your question uh, mm. on that. So normally what I think, because there are many management teams that don't really write, uh, many CEOs that may not have the time to write good shareholder letters Correct. because they're just busy executing. Correct. All right. And, and so that's the annoying part that too today I, I, I'm still frustrated about. Uh, that's the part about investing that's also fun and frustrating because these are the CEOs that you want to put your money with mm. but because they are so under the radar uh, how are you going to know all this? Like example, like uh, the, the episode that I, I, I mentioned to you guys in private, I really love is the one with Trade View, right? The mm. where he shared about the, the management for because I'm, I'm, I'm from Singapore so I don't know the company but he shared about like uh, Family Mart Oh, yeah. the QR, like, the QR like, family. Yeah, yeah, oh, correct, very yeah, low profile, man. Uh, yeah, exactly. So how would you know? <laughs> like these guys probably, do they write letters? I don't think so, right? No, no, no. Even yeah. the AR, right? I think you read, uh, you, if you're like benchmarking against <laughs> yeah, them, yeah. you, you the just US. like chuck it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how yeah. would you know? But then at the same time, you cannot just because they don't write letters, oh, they are poor communicators. I'm not going to invest in you. You suck. Yeah. Like, then you're going to betray a lot of, a lot of uh, what we call gems, uh, like we under the chef, right? So, yeah. Um, I would say, so I don't know whether I'm answering your question, but I would say the letters may not be the, the, the be all end all to spot good managers. Even though, yes, I wish more good leaders would do that, but that may not be their priority because like not all of them have an investor relations and they may not even need an investor relations. So the way I circumvent that is a big part of my investing process or my research process is I would spend a few weeks watching the CEO interviews. Mm. So yeah. I think these days because of Spotify, it has really open source so much. Like you Spotify, the company name of the CEO, you can hear their one hour long podcast interviews with right. people bring them on. And then of course you can YouTube their name and interview and you can watch. And then the way they answer questions will tell you a lot about the, the thinking process. So that's how I kind of circumvent the lack of uh, shareholder letters. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's a good point. And I was, I was asking in a way that, yeah, definitely you answered it because there's no one right answer because like Dr. Chia himself, he's a mathematician. Yeah. Uh, the only reason why I got to know more about them was because <laughs> another guy we're trying to bring on our podcast, uh, one someone we consider a mentor, yeah. actually mentors his management team. Wow, wow. Yeah, so that's how we cool. got to know. He, he's an advisor. Yeah, he's an advisor. Uh, he's an in independent director for a listed company. He's, he just launched a book. And the reason why I got so enamored into QL was because they actually have a, how do I call it? A coffee table book where mm -hmm. they talked about the story of how they actually evolved the business. And oh, it's, okay. it's, yeah, but it's all internal. And yeah. I think, um, I'm going to say this and I'm not going to be ashamed about it. It relies on people <laughs> like us yeah. who storytell for them. Yeah. True. Someone's going to do it. Yeah, yeah. because it's Very like, true. yeah, they may, they may not, uh, you know, um, they don't want to blow their own trumpet, whatever. We yeah. blow the trumpet for them. Like the <laughs> other guy we, that we really like is uh, MFCB, Mr. Go. I, if, if mm. He's not a big, not like Forrest Lee, he's very well publicized. You come to Malaysia, yeah. or even yeah, even in Malaysia, people don't really know about this guy called Mr. Go Nankyo. But he's 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 a very, very successful businessman. So wow. under the radar. I don't think you can even find public interview. Even so funny is we did a video about the company. Uh -huh. And my video editor had to find uh, uh, what do you call it stock photos of him. We got the wrong photo <laughs> <laughs> because he was. Oh man! And, yeah, we posted out the wrong photo yeah. of him, and we had to apologize. I've I've not met him personally, <laughs> only virtually. But 
it relies on people like us to tell the story. I don't, I don't know. What, what, yeah. you, are you yeah. aligned with that? I, I am super aligned. Which I want to get you guys, I want to get your take. So I actually love what you guys do so much because of one thing, right? You bring to awareness better businesses yes. uh, that investors can consider apart from the typical things that's always in the news that normally it's not the best companies. Yeah. But that's the thing, I'm, also, I'm always also thinking and because I, I'm not like a micro-cap investor where because as micro-cap investors, you will go and meet the management team. So I, I'll never ever know the answers. But like, it's like some of these management teams, sometimes I ask myself, like, do they purposely want to remain under the radar because like you mentioned, they want to avoid the limelight mm. or is it because they just don't have time and they can't be bothered? Like, so is it part of a strategic <laughs> move as well to not be on the radar or is it because they just don't care? And then my, my thought is that, um, like, but at the same time, if they spend a bit more time publicizing their company, it could help them get a better, like, it could help, like, increase the level of uh, savviness of their investors who invest in them. Yes. Because at least they know what they are buying. It's like how Buffett is so so transparent about his, his own mistakes and his own mistakes of omission and commission. Like, it will educate your investor pool. Wouldn't you get a higher quality investor base that would be able to stick longer? So, that may help, but maybe it's not a priority. I, I, I yeah. think, uh, to your question, is everything yeah. you say. Yeah. Because yeah. I think each, each CEO has different motivation. And some of them just, mm. uh, they know they're outright scams, uh, so they just don't want to talk to you. You, right? yeah. yeah but i think one thing to consider also is that we the reasons given uh, is management focus but i think the environment is important so think about it from the perspective of the ceo right yeah. uh why would he spend time to educate you when uh you go to the agm or the questions you ask in the analyst <laughs> briefings going from <laughs> analysts right not just retail investors from analysts is yeah. What's your what's your revenue going to be in Q3? <laughs> so Give us some color on the growth of your <laughs> revenue. And, and, yeah. and, and, and when yeah. you go to retail, like I can tell, to share your story here, right? We, we went to this company called Favel Fafco. Yeah. Right? So a company, they do cranes. Uh, Malaysian like company. Oil and gas. Malaysian. Yeah, yeah Malaysian. They do cranes. They're like yeah. maybe the, they're not the, the Porsches of cranes, but maybe they're the BMWs of cranes, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, they have, uh, it's by the Mac family. Yeah. And the the daughter of the CEO or the founder actually owns the Nando's chain in Malaysia. Mm. So every time you go to their AGMs, you get Nando's vouchers, right? You get like two. <laughs> so yeah. then they get questions like that in 2017, the you know, oil and all that was doing bad. Yeah. Um, and and you get people coming and shareholders coming and said, why they say only one Nando's voucher? Yeah. <laughs> So, I, I don't know whether that happens in Singapore, but so, we get so, it very commonly so, in Malaysia. So what's the, you, you see wait, from wait, the perspective wait. of the owner. So you're saying that they use that as an indicator of the financial health of the company or they just ask no, that they, 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 they just want the, the voucher. Yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. They really ask that in the show. Oh, 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 people I, literally ask why wow. you're not doing bonus issue. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what they ask. Hey, Max, you should really join us for oh, Malaysian you're not AGM, your share. You know? Why are you not splitting <laughs> your share, you know? Oh, serious. So why, why, why respond to that? You know I mean? Why? The, the 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 demand is that so for example in Malaysia we don't have earnings calls so yeah we don't have yeah. earnings calls why because no one asking for it yeah <laughs> hey, there's like, no transcript of AGM you know uh, there's <laughs> no transcript of AGM uh, yeah, no earnings yeah. call uh, no yeah. investor presentation yeah no investor presentation deck for vast majority yes. why because I there's see. only like twenty five people in Malaysia asking for it so yeah <laughs> what's the <laughs> so yeah. it's also the culture is the environment like in the US for example yeah. right. Uh, demands for disclosure is very high. Correct. Then yeah. it's yeah. like the minute you don't respond, then you say, "What are you trying to hide?" Correct. Even though you're not trying to hide anything, maybe yeah. you're just lazy, right? But they're like, "No, we we want." 
And so yeah. I think the SEC plays a very big role in like, you know, trying to get people to publicly uh, disclose things to prevent insider trading and all that. We so should I really bring Max yeah. to an AGM. Yeah, yeah. We, we would love to. Yeah, yeah. It, there's a part where Asia, Asia X, I know they are undergoing, you know, PN17, you know, close to PN17 kind of status, but yeah. Uh, they uh, normally they have their AGMs. Asia X uh, uh, uh-huh. actually have their AGMs in their corporate HQ in in, in uh, near the airport, which is very far Red from Red Q, yeah, Red Q, right? It's like a Google-like office. Yeah, 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 but it's very far from KL. So there was one, this one time uh, a shareholder went there. Uh, a lot of shareholders went there, and they actually complained and to to the, the chairman of the board. It says, "Hey, how come the nasi lemak portion very small?" Why do you charge us? Are you for, kidding? Yeah, no, I, I kid you not. Seriously, uh, uh, why do you? Why can't you give us a free baggage uh, allowance and all that? So <laughs> the, the the chairman, who is just a lady, she's actually a very famous person. Uh, she was the ex uh, trade minister for Malaysia, uh, Tan Sri Rafida, as this very uh, tiger lady. So she actually said, "Oh, great! Um, since you want us to have more nasilama, free, 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 all this kind of thing, uh, I think we are doing a very lousy job as the board of directors for North Fields Airline. Why don't you fire all of us?" <laughs> Yeah. That wow. was her response because she was very, and I understand yeah. from her position, yeah. she's very yeah. irritated already, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 this is something so common that you know, uh, MG and I, we get every, every time we go AGM, right? We we see some uncle uh, come in, right? Uh, uh-huh. So many colorful characters. Have you seen shareholders singing to the chairman? No. Come yeah, in. Yeah. They sing God. songs to the why, chairman. Why? 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 Because because the the the, cha- the 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 company made them millionaires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Multi millionaires. Oh. I mean, we have a com- <laughs> there's a company in Malaysia called Hatalega. They do gloves, yeah. right? Yeah. This yeah. pre pandemic, uh, So yeah. uh-huh. don't yeah. talk about all the gains that they got in the pandemic, right? Yeah. The cashier is like a millionaire. The te- the the receptionist for the company because of ESOS. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Receptionist, yeah. you walk in millionaire, millionaire, millionaire. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> so. You got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard yeah. about Hotel Lega because I'm reading uh, the Trade Views book right now, right? Yeah. Once upon a yeah. So yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's actually a very structural thing in your country because of these structural issues. Of I, I think in Singapore as yeah. well, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't yeah, be so, so that extreme. But I mean, if yeah. you benchmark against the US, the where US, there's yeah. ac- active activist investors yeah. that demand all these transparencies, then yeah. the standards will be uplifted. Yeah. But then if there's no one demanding, you know, there's times when uh, you go to AGM, no questions <laughs> one, you know. Wow. Yeah, no questions. People just ask. Usually they just either got bonus share car. Why can't you do a split car? No, yeah. they don't ask split. They always ask bonus share. How come the coupon voucher is not there? How come no dog give? You know, can, can we? Ah, this is the. Why this, you change venue wait, for your and, and they ask this, I'm curious, they ask this on the mic. Uh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they're they they proud to announce well, their, their of, ignorance. A lot of thick skin to ask whether there's like. But they're all not well, they are they're 70. Nice. La, they're so. 70 so. Oh, yeah. okay. So maybe they're just a bit unaware or like. like yeah, the, 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 my biggest pet peeve is the one. Hey, uh, parking, how come uh, cannot free? Uh? Because yeah, it's usually you, hell in the hotel, right? Cannot, <laughs> so, so like, oh. if you don't, basically, if you don't bang for meat, you you don't get the meat, lah. You yeah, know, yeah, that yeah. I think that contributes. Yeah, but I, I think in general, culturally, right? If we oh don't, goodness. I think Asians, if we don't want to be in public, we will try our best to keep it. That way, yeah, la. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I one final question, right? Actually, sure. so, because you you've got really, I mean, you talk a lot about stocks in in your, um, um, yeah, your, your account, Twitter, right? yeah. Um, mm. but you also talk a lot about your financial freedom journey, and yeah. of course, yeah. Um, of course, you would talk about it, right? It's the inner mm. copywriter. You have to talk about it. This is the, <laughs> it has to yeah. be. Man. It's your craft. It's, it's how you get the yeah. followers, right? So, yeah. uh, I just want to know, like, what's financial freedom to you? You know. 
Worth it. Uh, yeah, so actually a few people did DM me to ask that question because I, I think that hook in itself will cause certain alarm bells yeah, to skepticism. We want to make sure this is the correct person uh, to follow or to be reading from. So yeah, I think I'll share. So um, what happens is um, last year, of course, because uh, same thing due to my earlier capital base, due to my savings that I didn't really spend much. Um, at uh, When I was 29, which is because uh, I'm 31 this year, last year around mid of last year. So I... I, I crossed my first seven figures in, in portfolio size. So that mm, was like, mm. when, okay, well, this this investing works. So to me, financial freedom is when I would, so I use the withdrawal rate that I learned from, which is, the, there's this 4% withdrawal the 4% rate. That, rule, yeah. Yes, that, yeah. The fire, fire um, domain, right? But uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm super, con- I'm, I'm conservative, so I would use 3%. <laughs> so okay. um, basically 3%. financial freedom to me, I would say as long as every year, uh, my annual expenses in a year uh, makes up three percent or less of my total liquidable net worth mm. uh, and then i don't need to compromise my lifestyle which means i don't need to go and reduce stuff or i still lead a normal life as to what i normally do pay for my gym memberships whatsoever so no compromises to that and i'm able to get by on just three percent of my full net worth uh, mm. that's how i define financial freedom mm. so hopefully that that gives some color <laughs> yeah to that. yeah actually actually like uh most of the time I, I totally agree with you actually uh but most of the time i'll just tell people like how yeah. much you spend you you spend a year, then you just times at least twenty five. Ah, that's uh, at least thirty three. Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah. In your case, would be thirty three. Thirty three. Yeah, thirty three. Thirty five. Yeah. 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 So so yeah, man. Uh, do you have any more questions? No, no. I think uh, uh probably where where can people find yeah, you? Yeah, where can people find you? Uh, uh, Max. Oh yeah. So because I'm uh still working nine to five, right? So yeah, you can't find me physically. I'm not like a <laughs> in, in, like hedge fund manager whatsoever. You can, I think you just follow me on Twitter. It's mm. uh hey hey Maxco. Uh, to the H-E-Y-M-A-X-K-O-H that's about it and yeah pretty much yeah, that's where you can find me and to where I share my investing thoughts and journey uh, just from a perspective of a 9 to 5 employee who invests and has managed to achieve financial freedom uh, due to I would say a lot of good luck because uh, I think in all 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 disclaimer if I, t- if I touch my heart track record is too little to kind of like say that okay I'm a fantastic investor so still learning along the way but uh, I'm trying to share my journey and my mistakes and my thought process through the tweets so yep that's where you can find me so Great. here here yeah. just, know, here's a copywriter yeah. saying right, you can yeah. have financial freedom with a 9 to 5 <laughs> can you believe it <laughs> <laughs> it's quite amazing right? very nice thank you very much yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what we're looking forward to head down to Singapore as well yeah definitely yeah. we'll have a lifting session you know <laughs> likewise right. please bring me to the AGM yeah yeah, 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 yeah in reverse you know just uh, yeah. we'll tell you what shares to buy 100 shares <laughs> enough enough already uh, then, then we'll bring you, you know. it'll be a fun it will be a fun yeah, experience for sure we meet up with the other Singaporeans as well. The, yeah, the the the, the, the searching, searching the searching, the yeah. Looking forward yeah. to be honest. Yeah, uh, guys, for those of you listening, I am one hundred percent sure that you found max max value uh, in this podcast. Uh, and yeah, if you like this sort of content, you know, remember to share it. Tell us, tell other people about this podcast because more people need to know about it. More people need to watch podcasts like the one we just had. And yeah, we have all our other socials. Please follow us there as well. Facebook, Instagram, Telegram, you name it. And uh, yeah, signing out. Yeah, thank you so much, Max. Thank you again. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers.